0: And welcome to o- El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 263rd take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This can be a fantastic show. I've been looking forward to this show for a Really long time, and I'm so excited to have this guest. I'm so pleased that she agreed to be on. Uh, but before we get to formal introductions of our guests of honor tonight, we do have to thank the people that make that show, this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Jonathan Drew and, yes, Pablo Gomez are on the road to host Liga Privada 10 Seleccion de Mercado events in Istanbul and Europe. Drew Estate is introducing the new Liga Provada 10 Seleccion De Mercado during Inner Tobacco show in Dortmund, Germany, here in this coming week. And the company's founder and president, Jonathan Drew, and global brand ambassador and factory spokesperson, Pedro Gomez, will be hosting events in four countries before and after the trade show to support the new cigars release. So this is going to be some pretty awesome stuff. So if you're pretty tuned into the global market and really excited about all things Drew Estate... I know most of my listeners and most of my viewers are here in the United States, but this is pretty exciting and a pretty cool thing. So available only to the international markets, Lexium de Mercado is crafted to highlight the bold characteristics of specifically curated Connecticut Criollo, specifically that's grown exclusively for Drew Estate by one farmer in the famed Connecticut River Valley. The cigar's name is Spanish for market selection and is inspired by the old practice of selecting wrapper leaves for certain national markets by color. True Estate shows only the most beautiful rosada leaves to highlight Selection de Mercado's bold, yet deeply balanced, and sophisticated espresso and earth notes. So if you're from the States and traveling to the international market at any time soon, you can be on the lookout for the cigar for all my international friends, viewers, and audience. This one's coming near you very, very soon. And welcome, everybody. This is our 263rd take. Without, without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome in tonight's guest's. Tonight's guest is sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today and start living United. Miss Jennifer True of Altadas USA. Jennifer, how are you doing tonight? Great,
1: Bear. Thank you so much for having me. I am I, such an
0: honor. I, I'm, I'm the one that that's honored. This is, this is, this is something I've look been looking forward to. I, I, I was. You absolutely made my day when we spoke on the phone and I, you agreed to be on the show when I uh, when I actually asked you the first uh, actually asked you to be on and and. I'm, I'm so excited that that day is here and that we get to have this moment together in this conversation. So this is exciting.
1: Same, same.
0: <laughs> so um, I know we're going to get into all of your, like your, well, we're going to get to your entire journey, of course, and uh, especially some of your recent ex- escapades. You just got back in country a couple of days ago. Thank you so much for making time for us after such a, a arduous journey. But um, I saw that you were actually a Florida State grad. So go Seminoles um
1: Noles. and everything big, big weekend for us we got a yeah. good good win yes you have me up against uh sunday night football tonight but <laughs> i am definitely proud to be a no so
0: that's awesome um i mean really, really fantastic school. I, I know, uh, I actually, it's, it's funny that you, cause you're the, you're, you're, uh, your forte is marketing. The, the, uh, marketing VP of my company actually is a Florida state grad too. So, uh, I mean, that's, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, just out talent,
1: Florida yes. state <laughs>
0: uh, especially in the marketing world. That's fantastic. Um, so I thought it would be, I thought it would be fun just to kind of an icebreaker question. Like what, what's the thing to do in Tallahassee? Like what, what was your favorite thing to do about town? Back in the day, not that far well, back in the day. Well, just it was kind of
1: back in the day, but <laughs> um, I mean, the, I mean, it was football USA. I mean, there's no, there's no thing ar- around that. You know, you go to every game. That was a highlight, also. You know, I wasn't in the Greek life. It was, um, I think, it was a good balance of whether you know you were in Greek or not. But you know, it was open to everybody to go to parties and things like that. So it was a big party school the year that I started. We were. Number one party school ranked by Playboy magazine. So my mom was thrilled about that <laughs> 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 when she heard that from, from the neighbors. Oh, she's going to Florida State. Interesting, but um, yeah, no, it was definitely a great place to be. It was interesting for me um, to be in Tallahassee. Um, I'm a Jersey girl, so it was uh, a culture shock when I got there. I didn't really know much about the school when I when I signed up. I got in state tuition. Um, you know, I had a partial scholarship and um it was a culture shock i mean there's politicians obviously there's florida state universities there there's also famu there's all these college kids so many kids under you know the age of 20 um just living together on their own in the panhandle so it was um it was fun but yeah definitely football games um and you know sports in general all year round big sports um school
0: yeah they i mean they've really I mean, they've done a really great job with all their programs there. Like, I mean, both like, like everyone talks obviously about the football program, but there's some great programs on the women's side too. Um, you well,
1: know, Yeah, they baseball. won the World Series. Of, yeah, and the baseball. They won the World Series twice while I was there. So um, it was a good time to be a Knoll. And we won the national championship my freshman year. Chris Wankie and uh, Peter Warwick, the team. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my freshman year. So 99 well 2000 was when the championship was yeah chris chris
0: wanky man there's a there's a name from the past my gosh
1: yeah
0: yeah that and uh,
1: he was in 26 at the time he was yeah i was gonna
0: say yeah he was pushing 30 i remember because and then it was like the oldest heisman trophy winner ever um man what a crazy thing uh crazy crazy season but uh but yeah they were they were those were some great teams they always put together some great squads, so that's good stuff. Um,
1: and my sister had the audacity to go to UF, so she just graduated a Gator. So there's some uh, sibling rivalry there. We are a house divided. My mom is a house divided for sure. You,
0: so she followed you to Florida. And just went to the rival college. She had to. She had to do that. Right. Not to do like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, what w- What was the um, What was like the local like the local hangout for you?
1: AJ's was actually that's funny. AJ's now part of my life again. But uh, AJ's uh, was a um, was a big hangout. They had like a, a terrace. Um, Pop Bellies was another uh, hangout that was on Greek Row. Um, there actually was a bartender for a hot minute um, at the late night library. That was that was my spot. I um, the slogan I forgot what the slogan was. If Mom calls, tell her I'm at the library. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good one there you go <laughs> nice nice um potbelly let's see, like this the, the sandwich joint or was okay, it something different
1: no it was it's uh, different yeah I'm,
0: okay I'm related. yeah cool um awesome well that's uh some good stuff about Tallahassee I, I've i the, so the reason I wanted to ask that too so like back in the day when I was like like when I was in high school and I was playing sports and I had dreams of playing college sports Florida State was where I wanted to go so uh Obviously it didn't work out, but that's okay. There were far town, ta- far more talented people and more dedicated than myself. So, but uh, but uh, that would have been that would have been awesome. So, um, well, cool, cool. Well, let's uh, let's get started with uh, the, a little piece of business here, Jennifer. I've got this wonderful gift that you gave me, uh, this beautiful Monte Cristo case, um, leather case, which holds obviously cigars, but also a wonderful place for accessories and humidification cedar cedar lined yeah exactly Mm -hmm. i mean this is this is beautiful this is gorgeous and of course you gave me a couple of fantastic cigars to choose from here tonight but the twist is on our show my guest picks the cigar so i have a choice here between the monte cristo 1935 anniversary the og Original, from just a couple of years. We call it the OG from a couple of years ago. But
1: and the new, <laughs> the
0: uh, the uh, newest release uh, under this anniversary line, the Diamante, which we'll be talking a little bit more about tonight. So, which cigar would you like me to smoke?
1: I think I'd like you to join me in the Edicion Diamante. Um,
0: Beautiful. That's,
1: that's the choice of the day.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> and you got? I've got the Toro size here.
1: Same as so, mine. Yep. Yeah, Square pressed. 100% Nicaraguan puro. Yep
0: six by 55 that's a really yeah. interesting yeah a yeah. really unique gauge you know you don't see that very often you know
1: you started recently i mean the first time we did that was with um in the monte cristo line was recently well not the first time but most recently was with the um espada signature the valiente um however that was a um around around cigar i think that because these are uh soft pressed it does feel a little bit it doesn't feel like the, the gauge is that is that big um right with this um and I feel the same way about the Churchill as well I think you know there, there's a little bit of shrinking in the process um but definitely a wonderful
0: there's there's something yeah. about box pressing where it just feels I mean it doesn't matter how big it is it, it just feels a lot better in your hand and it just, it doesn't feel as like gargantuan as like a, you know, a 60 year, like even like they make 70 box, 70 gauges that are box press and it just doesn't, it just doesn't right. seem as large. So yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah, uh, the sizes of the the D- Diamante um, are all different than when we launched the, um, the 1935 OG. Um, they're slightly, um, slightly different. So there's a, a great variety whether, you know, it works with the blend. Um, but the Maduros, um, the sizes that we selected for that um, were more fitting, and then Rafael um, and AJ um, select hand selected these sizes, and we decided to launch with six sizes, um, which. I think the other line. Well, I know the other line. We just we started to build up to those six sizes, um, and we still are yet to uh, launch one more size this year in the 1935 OG. Um, so a lot of things coming from this line. Um, obviously, we're super proud of it. Um, personally, it is something that is um, a moment for me. Um, you know, we got the number two cigar from Cigar Aficionado um, in 2021 um, with the 1935 and coming up with coming out with the follow-ups definitely a lot of pressure um but I mean it's subjective and I'm biased but this is a pretty good
0: <laughs> well I I have to say the and you were on that show when I first smoked at the OJ uh we had I had the privilege of smoking it with you That's and right. and Raphael and coop and uh coop and I were both blown away that night I um I've had the experience very rarely. But whenever I do, it's really fantastic. It's just a cigar; just can pledge, can can take you completely off guard. And the, but this what made this a unique experience for the the OG for myself was like, um, you know, I had smoked Monte Cristos, my right? you know, for a ton over my smoking career. Like I've had the, the obviously the classic, the white label, of course. My favorite always my my favorite forever was the platinum. I love that cigar. Still do. Still enjoy that cigar. Um, And so, I mean, I kind of knew what a Monte Cristo was, and then I lit that cigar up, and I was like, holy cow, this is something... This is not a Monte Cristo, but this was incredible. It was just such a it was just such a wonderful experience. And I used I used Raphael's dreaded word. I used the word "unique experience." And I know he he doesn't like that word because he thinks that like people use it only to describe things they don't like and they just want to be nice. But I was really blown away by the experience. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I think
1: it is. I, I think it's fair to say that it is unique from the all the brands that, the lines that you mentioned. That's all part of our core line, right? So I mean that is. That's the bread and butter that is the tried and true, the classic, the white series, um, and the platinum, which I think is interesting that you picked that one because that one actually does have some Nicaragua, it's heavier in Nicaragua. So I think that um, has in the blend. Um, and it's been a progression because then after that, then we launched the um, the out uh, of AJ as well as the uh, 19, I mean, not the 1935, the Nicaragua series, which actually I have here too, um, this one. Um, So little by little, um, I think Raf has been pushing for this the whole time, you know, since he's taken this role of head of product capability. And I I respect him a lot for it because at the time I didn't know anything about it, but now coming forward a couple of years, we've done some market research and the palettes of the consumers are maturing, right? So the same person who likes the same cigars that you're saying, you know, it's a classic Dominican, a little bit more um, mellow. the more you smoke, the more you you look for something a little with a little bit more strength. Um and for me, the timing from a storytelling perspective, um the timing was right and we had the right people on it. Um, you know, that story, you know, the brand started back in 1935, obviously a Cuban heritage brand. And then to have, you know, Rafael and AJ work on this together, well, on the OG, for, to celebrate right. the 85th anniversary of such an iconic brand and them both being, you know, um, Cuban heritage themselves. Um, it was nice to see them work together on it. You know, I'm actually Cuban as well. My parents um, are both Cuban. Uh, they came to the United States uh, when they were very young in the 70s. Um, so they were considered the Peter Pan. I don't know if you can follow the exile. Yeah, of course. But- Okay, so they were part of that. Um, So I'm very Americanized. Uh, However, you know that 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 um, allegiance to and such a deep uh, connection to tobacco within obviously Cubans. Like to have Raph and AJ now working in tobacco, being this like amazing powerhouse with lots of you know amazing accolades, working together to pay homage to such an iconic brand, I I think it was, there's some kind of sentimental um, thing for me as well. And I know that it was a lot of responsibility for them too. You know, like you said, it is so, so much different. It was such a departure. Um, Mm -hmm. However, that level of um, promuity and iconic flavor is still present, you know?
0: Well, I think it's I think it's building on something that uh, we'll get into this. I, I I don't really want to step on further stuff, but I think it's too, I think it's too perfect to to miss this this moment to talk about it for just a second. But I think it's a perfect building block too of what you've done with Diamante. We're going to talk about it here in edition de Diamante. We're going to talk about that more in depth. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth noting at this point, like you know, in twenty twenty, which I mean, what a what a time. And that's, I think that's, what's incredible about that cigar. The OG was released during the, the very beginnings of COVID and it's still just, I mean, just did amazing f- for y'all. And then here we are just a couple years, you know, two, three years later with the Edition Diamante. Monte and then two years down the road. Now we have the 90th just on the, on the horizon. So, I mean, I, I think there's a real opportunity to really, um, really just kind of build on these things and just, and make it, you know, a whole new facet, you know, not to use the diamond cliche. Well, but that was, that wasn't even on that purpose. Was, that was
1: really good. one. Yeah. Though.
0: Just as a whole new facet of the, uh, of the, uh, of, of the Monte Cristo story. So this is, this is really cool. Well, Awesome. Well, let, let's get into it. This is the uh, um, tonight's major point, which is always brought to you by the people. Yes, tonight's point is always brought to you by people cigar people. Yes, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Wow. Maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman uh, series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work have been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So, Jennifer, uh, we... We're going to get some more talk on the Edicion Diamante and some of the other amazing projects that you've worked on, but I think it's worth talking about your most recent trip. Like I said, you just got back a couple of days ago. You were down at one of the many factories that Altadas manages and has produces some incredible cigars from. You talked about we talked about your partnership with AJ, but this was a place that was a little bit different. You were down in the Dominican Republic, right?
1: Yeah, we were in the cigar country, um, La Romana, uh, Dominican Republic. It's a uh, Beautiful place. It's basically that factory set in paradise. Uh, you land in Punta Cana. I mean, it's not a bad gig. You uh get, you know, picked up 40 minute, 30 minute drive. Um, and the closest resort, unfortunately, is Casa de Campo. So <laughs> across the street from um the factory or in our new factory, actually. You know, obviously we've we've separated from our previous um, owners. We're uh, separated premium, our premium facilities, and we opened a whole new um beautiful factory um just on the other side of that um the old factory but it's everything's brand new state of the art gorgeous um it's just very inviting um we look forward to you know getting a lot more people to come and visit uh it's i think we just celebrated a year uh in, our, in august from opening it um so being there now a year later seeing how far we've come um especially because the first time i was there um I had only been with the company for five weeks. So it's, it's interesting to me to have this perspective. Like the first impression I got when I got there was, wow, there's a lot of women working here. <laughs> and, um, you know, now was you know, ignorance on my part. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize, you know, it, that, that, the gender thing, you know, as much, um, you know, I always thought cigars men in a sense, you know, and when I was there and I saw generational grandmas with their, with their daughters Daughters and their their granddaughters their granddaughters. granddaughters, um, you know, working there and, um, at the time, I think the percentage is a little higher. Um, last time I just got a quote, it was a, a little over 60% of the uh people who work in the factory are women. Um and I mean there are different reasons for that. That's the factory. There's also pre-industry too, you know, in mm-hmm. the fields and curing bards as well. Um, they are they have a good eye for different wrapper shades as well, sorting, things like that at that, at that level. So it's it's such a it's such a wonderful thing to see. Um the importance of women, um, in the industry. And as I, you know, went and worked through COVID and started to see the camaraderie within women, I really befriended somebody that was, you know, worked in the factory. Um, she became kind of my first friend in the industry. Her name's Isis. Um, she had a real passion for starting not so much a movement, but kind of creating a more, um, Substance to this Sisters of the Leaf movement um, and where it is now from mm-hmm. where it was then. I mean, yeah, you can count followers and you know on social media and things like that. But um these are not your typical influencers, you know, these are people that are influencing just because they're doing what they've done for generations, you know, and I think it's um it's it's a it's a really nice. Thing to see and it speaks a lot to where I personally in marketing and seeing market trends and things like that um, look to with the increase um, in popularity of cigars in general with, in, with women for sure there's a lot more engagement um, but yeah in, in terms of manufacturing like I said you know the master rollers you know, we've had um, somebody on staff, her name is Lucrecia. She's been rolling for over 50 years. Um, wow, and yeah, you I mean, know, that's
0: impressive and, for anyone, but that's that's way over
1: awesome. more than that. You know, I think it's at this point, it's probably way over that. And you know, highlighting her story is something that I have like a personal um passion to do at some point. Um I think it would be great. Her name is beautiful too. Lucrezia. I think that's like a beautiful Vitola name. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm always maybe. wearing some kind of marketing hat, but <laughs> there
0: you go. Or, yeah, yes, c- cigar <laughs> name Vittola, at the, yeah at the very least a Vitola for sure. Yeah. I think that's that it is a beautiful name. That's true. I it it just it really amazes me. You know, I hear stories about all these time about all these people all the time that I mean we're talking about generational depth we're talking about you know grandmothers working alongside their daughters still and their daughter do- and their granddaughters like that's but 50 years of service is impressive for anyone but like you know I'll, I'll i'll never pretend to know what it's like to be in your shoes and to 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 work in a. what cigars are considered a male-dominated industry but what i've what i've really tried to spread the message on through through the show is women are a huge part of it and and it's you know, I think it's now coming to light more, but for a long time, it was kind of kept in the shadows. I mean, 50, you know, 50, she's been working it for 50 years. And that's, I mean, that's pretty typical. A lot of factories, like you said, there's some jobs that men even aren't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Like straight up, like it's like the reverse of what we know in society today, you know? Yeah, know. Um, and, and, you
1: see, and you see their progression. So you start in one function, whether it's, you know, um, you know, preparing the tobacco um, they're actually called strippers they're they go through a machine you know they split the leaf take the right, 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 yeah. tobacco that whole thing um, and then you you move you move up you progress um, into the rolling and even this just this last time it was harder to see these all these measures were already in place in the bigger factory where we were under imperial but there, you know that was not all premium um so you had to kind of weed out, you know, oh, is that, you know, like, who are they working for? But here, you know, you walk into that factory, you know that everybody that's working there is making cigars for the U.S. or making cigars for the international. Um, you know, Vega Fina is a huge, is a huge international brand um, for, for the company as well. Um, and that's based out of La Romana. Um, but there's uh, little schools. They're called Las Escuelitas. So four rows Four rows within, you know, the gal the, the galley um, are trainees and mentors working together to learn. But you're still part of it, you know. And I think that 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 idea of um, passing on knowledge and just passing on just in general that his that history within. I think that's um, very important to the industry, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I want to go back to this 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 initial feeling like when you went and visited for the first time. You said you'd been working for the company for a few months, and and you you yourself admitted like you were shocked to see it. Like you said, your own ignorance, and that, and that's fine. Like I didn't know that either, and most people don't. Again, that's why I think it's so important for me. And I I've you, you and I talked about this before we went on air and privately. Like it's it's a really big passion of mine to talk about truly how diverse you know men women you know uh minorities and, and and so on to that are really control and run this industry and how how important and a beautiful story it is but how how warm and welcoming was that for you or, or 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 I don't want to put emotions on you like what emotions did you feel when you saw that I mean just how prominent women were in this this new industry that you found yourself in
1: yeah i um i felt A sense of home and belonging, to be honest with you, it actually gave me a sense of um, comfort, you know I felt like there's something that I understood about. These women that were working alongside their their offspring their parents, you know, I think that it's you know, they don't obviously make a lot of money. um And it's tough for them to get to work every day, you know, if we can see some of the living conditions that they live in, and then to go and actually have to do manual labor like that, but to still see their smiles and the pride that they have to see us come to visit, um coming from, you know, what corporate and stuff like, you know, I'm not stuffy like that. um And I don't, for the most part, I don't think a lot of people are, you know, I think a lot of the People that I've met, wonderful people that I've met in the industry are pretty humble. Um, But when they see you with your suit and your whole thing and, you know, like they're just beaming, they want to show you like they were working actually this last time they were working on the 1844 Barbier. Um, which is a, another project of mine from H. Upment. And that was one of the first times that that factory had to, was, you know, tasked to do a barber pole. The first sure. time is the Romeo y Julieta Reserva Real twisted, which was only a few months before that, you know, and to see them working on that and, you know, we're coming and taking pictures of the process and they're, you know, you know you can see that they're like putting forward their what they they think is like their you know their best their best products I, you know it was it's it's charming and um I appreciate it a lot from uh from from it. I felt a sense of gratitude and uh belonging I guess to answer your question that's sure. really what the most and it's and it was important to me in the beginning to to seek to see that and have that and make that friend and from there I just felt um, a responsibility to continue to um, promote and empower women in the industry. You know, I think that there's been different connotations of, you know, women smoking cigars, this and that, and, and an influencer. But, you know, there's just, my mom smokes cigars, you know, she smokes mm-hmm. minis. She always she always has. I've always had tobacco around my So I've always been comfortable with it, obviously, being of Cuban heritage, you know, that's something that um, my dad smokes cigars and, you know, at the holidays and special occasions and things like that. But, you know, I thought that was just happening in my family, but to see <laughs> everybody else, you know, you know, being part of the same culture, even if it is a different country, it's, you know, it's all for the same, same goal, you know, and it's, you know, to provide something that has a lot of history and tradition and to continue to pass that lifestyle, I think is also very important that's what I take as a, as a big um, responsibility of myself is to tell these stories. Um, and, you know, even though my platform's not that big, I am mean, I'm here today and, you know, there, I feel like there is a, there's a purpose to it. So I, I'm, I'm happy to, to do it.
0: I, well, I think it's, I think it's an incredible story and, 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 you know, just, you know, it, it that's what, I, I mean, that's what I really love about this industry and, you know, you know, you have, you just happen to work for one of the larger companies, but there's still so many wonderful small stories um, about this. I mean, you talk about Lucrecia, who's worked for, for 50 years and in this industry and like the stories that she could probably tell that, you know, not just like, I mean, not just like how cigars have changed maybe um, and tobacco has changed, but like, which for the nerd in me, that just really excites me. But like, I mean, but also like the, the people that she's met and, and Mm -hmm. seen, I mean, I mean, you know, probably, you know, dignitaries have probably come through the same factories and, you know, and the, the, what we would consider legends in the business that, you know, grace, the, the, the factory floor with when they were putting together blends for stuff that she was, that she was essentially rolling and making and stuff like that. Mm So, I mean, it, that type of a career is just, you know, is so impactful in so many ways. And, and, and she got, she got to be a part of it. And I mean,
1: and, way they hype her up right so she's like a celebrity there like she's you know yeah she's earned good she deserved 50 50 years
0: years, my god
1: i mean i may may be off on that a little bit i know the factory celebrated 50 years i know she was there early on so i I mean I'm, i'm but it has to it is definitely close to that you know she was celebrated as one of the first early rollers from when the factory opened so and generational as well and has been there that long and i I think there's, um, a generation following as well. So I That's think great. that it's, it's amazing. Um, and it is a beautiful story and for women in this industry to be able to tell that, and I, you know, I, I have a little, um, Facebook, um, not Facebook, page, Instagram page. I mean, it has, it's, it's private. It's not even, it, it's not even like a big thing for influencing, but it's for me, everybody who I have on there, I've, pretty much I've met, especially the women. So that to me, it's not, it's not a, a wide reach, but it's deep, you know? And I think that when I see their content and things like that, it, it makes me feel a certain way, you know, that they're so proud and out there and doing little trends you know there was the you know the barbie trend. So they found you know the 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 ingot rose that we had um for the for the banker and did a whole thing and you know to me i think that's just so that's so cool that um they come together they you know they just like just like anybody else you know there's a little network and there's the mm-hmm. sisters of belief thing is amazing i even saw at, at pca this year they're the movement was there and, you know, you know, there was also a such panel a huge for,
0: group. Yeah. I saw yeah, the photo there's also so a mean...
1: PCA panel. Yeah. There's also a panel of women in PCA as well, which I think is super cool. Um, and, you know, I am proud to want to be a part of that and stuff like that is just to continue to tell those stories and, tell your own story and how your perspective, you know, feeds into this whole thing, you know, and come from all different, you know, there's factories, there's, you know, people that, you know, are, you know, retail owners, store owners, you know, there's myself who works, you know, in marketing, there's, you know, operational people, you know, it's just, you know, it's uh it's an industry that, like we said before we came on, you know, you have to wear a lot of hats Um, and to see these, you know, these women, even with the challenges they face, you know, you're we you have women have, you know, biologically have to, you know, they do what they do. So you know, they're rolling cigars and they're pregnant, you know, like that is <laughs> just like <Right. laughs> to me, it's just, you know, the resilience and just, you know, the wherewithal to do that, I think is impressive. And I'm proud to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. How- just kind of going back to your initial experience. So your so your original experience with cigars was your parents. And I love the fact that your mom smokes too. Um, um that's that's fantastic. I've you know, I you know, my dad's in very poor health, and so I never I I probably never will get the experience of being able to share a cigar with him. Uh and I know I'll never share a cigar with my mother. Uh she she just can <laughs> She just she just it just it just won't have that'll be a that'll be a miracle upon miracles, but um, but what a what a treat for you to kind of grow up with that and kind of it kind of be normalized for you. So I'm I'm um and now that you're working it like so you know you mentioned your Cuban heritage as well and everything, and then they obviously came over young and you're like you said, you're very Americanized and everything. But when you first started the with with this company, I mean, I mean they I, again, I don't want to put emotions on them, but were they excited? Were they like kind of like a going back to their root, kind of going back to the roots kind of thing? You know, separated um, by generation, or
1: I think that um, my my family, yeah, you know, I mean, they did. You know, I came from working in beauty, um, so the women in my family, you know, did appreciate you know the little swag and gifts that I would bring home with fragrances and things like that. Now the men in my family when I got this job were much much more excited, you know. <laughs> my mom, she doesn't know that much about brands. She didn't know about brands then, but when I'm like saying names like Monte Cristo and Romeo and Julieta, they're like, oh, you are like that, that is like gold, you know. Um, so now the holidays, I'm invited to a lot of parties. Um,
0: <laughs> Jennifer's coming.
1: <laughs> Jennifer's invited, you know.
0: <laughs> awesome
1: but yeah, no, I think that they're proud. I mean, again, I I mean, not to be so woohoo, but there is some, I can't help but notice that there is some full circle stuff going on and I'm being placed somewhere for some reason. And I think that, you know, the fact that, you know, cigars came across my desk again. And, you know, when I, when I, even when I met and interviewed with Raphael, like hearing his story, it was so similar to what I've heard about my family story for so long. Like I would, you know, almost wanted to be like, you know, say no more. Like I get you, like, I know like your hustle, like that is, you know, that is what I grew up on, you know? So those values um, you can see it throughout. Um, and I think it's important to continue to carry that through, you know, there, I mentioned a study that we recently did and how I've, you know, we've been testing the market here and there, and there's a new, a new group coming in, um, segment, a um, demographic of smokers, you know, the 21 year olds now, um, and yeah, they behave much different in certain ways, but in others, they're old souls. They still yeah. read magazines. They still, want to be educated about the history um you know gen z um they look to the past a lot if you if you if you really look at what they're doing you know they they'd rather a polaroid than a digital camera you know they'd rather the flip phone so having that i mean you can see i mean i see an emergence in pipe smoking as well like it's Mm -hmm. crazy you know these these younger vintage
0: is so very much a part of yeah i get you i mean
1: vintage lends itself to cigars like almost synonymously yeah you know? so
0: and, and it's so difficult. intrinsically absolutely i think the i i i, I know it mentioned Raphael. I, I i've i've heard him tell the story twice i'm still so enamored by the the, the bottle of coca cola and apple waiting for him you know it's his first deal meal as an american and it was and you know it's i i think it's really great that you you're bringing this full circle aspect to it back to. You know, to your family too, as well. I, 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 there's, there's, I, there's an expression from a film that I love. It's you know, Moneyball, and you know, and, and the expression is, "How can you not be romantic about baseball?" And I, but I bring it so much over to this industry. How can you not be romantic about cigars? It's no, just, it's, it, just it's a very
1: intimate product, actually. We want to talk about the, the, you know, some people are like, you know, how do you go from beauty to cigars? It's there's a lot of synergies there. I mean, we put cigars in your mouth you know it's a very intimate product you know we this you know there are a lot of people talk from seed to smoke and you know these these are some these are raw materials that are you know honed from the earth like similar to a diamond yeah <laughs> um they you know it's it's just amazing to 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 be a part of something that's just so like you said like just um uh, uh key to my heritage and my in my background,
0: you know? So I think it's 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 amazing. So growing up, what was your first experience with cigars? Did you try it all as a as a youth or did did it did it come later to you in life?
1: I, I smoked cigarettes when I was younger. Um as far as cigars, um, playing dominoes, yes, I was 18, I do. I yeah, I actually remember my first cigar. Um it was a Cuban. Um, we were playing dominoes at a Noche bueno, which is um, New Year's Eve. I mean, Christmas Eve, um, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, my uncle, he passed me a cigar and he said, you want to smoke a cigar? And I'm like, oh, how do you do it? You know, I actually didn't know to cut it. So I tried to smoke it. It didn't have, you know, I didn't cut the end. It didn't go so well at first, but, you know, I they're like don't inhale. I was like, okay, I won't inhale. I inhaled because I smoke cigarettes. So I was just, <laughs> <laughs> got my little buzz on and, you know, won that game of dominoes. So, I mean, it was a great experience. All there right. you go. And then I was, I was hooked, but I do have to say that I've been smoking good cigars pretty much the whole time. So I've never, you know, they, there's, I don't know, I've seen a meme or something, life's too short to smoke bad cigars. Well, I've, Definitely. never never Always had that been. burden never had that problem and you know definitely not don't have it now
0: <laughs> do you obviously now i think you probably would have mentioned it you, you said it was a cuban but like he uh do you i mean was there a brand to it or do you remember yeah, it a, was
1: it was a cohiba um, okay. My, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. okay
0: yeah wow okay yeah even <laughs> back then that's that name is synonymous with with luxury even on the on the Cuban side as well as on the New World side too. Now,
1: now I look at these cigars and they're so I, well, from what I remember so I was maybe 17 18 at the time it was like flawed you know they were it was it I don't remember it being so pristine you know I do remember it having like rough edges and having some kind of rustic feel to it um and you mm. know that to me I it felt that authenticity you know I think that that's something that is um something that i took away from that as well you know I'm like oh well somebody like you could tell somebody hand rolled this cigar you know mm-hmm. and it was, it was pretty
0: cool well and just now like you know again that whole full circle piece you know you you're being down at the factory this last time and even before you know at, you know meeting Lucrecia for the first time and stuff like that you know she didn't roll that cigar per se but someone just like her exactly did. and exactly. and you know you can kind of even look to your own personal past and kind of appreciate things which is really cool um, and I mean, um, I mean, just as a you know, even as a youth girl growing up, you probably witnessed them playing dominoes every Christmas Eve. And now you got a place at the table. Now you're smoking a cigar. You win the game. I mean, that's just that's perfect. That's perfect. You can't even you can't even make that up. That's great. It's like a storybook <laughs> storybook. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I'm gonna write it into my story.
1: Sometime. There you go.
0: <laughs> um, what? But going going so going back into like college and everything, so like when you attended Florida State, like and so was marketing the was that the was that the thing the whole no, way or did you no, would what, no, you go at in?
1: all no? Um I studied literature, which is also full circle. I mean now I'm working for Monte Cristo, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> Romeo Julieta. <That> the, yes. <laughs> um it, you know, so literature, um, and I um minored in um Oh, I was a double literature and creative writing, and then I minored in education um, because I wanted to secure that I would actually have a job when I got out. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, I know that writing could be so um, kind of like acting, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Did I mean? So, what was it? I mean, like dreams of like great writing, the great American novel. Like, what was the? What was
1: the? Uh, I mean, my first job was copywriting. It just it's something that came a little easier to me. Um, you know. I don't know if that's my right or my left side of my brain, but I'm definitely a a creative at heart. Um, I don't think I wanted to be like a novel writer, more like a copywriter you know, like egregious, like grammar ed- edits, like jump out at me. So I've, it's always come easy. So with every job that I've ever held, I'm I've terrified
0: been... to write an email to you ever again. I'm just saying now, I'm just going to oh, head.
1: I know uh, that's a, adult, a, adult <laughs> a lot, but you know, when you're like in that, you know, and you're really, um, focused on, you know, that's what your, your, your strength is. And it comes so easy, like just, words in general. I love words. Um, Etymology. Um, You know, I was having a discussion the other day, like my, my kids, they have kind of, you know, funky names, um, but they have a meaning, you know, not, they're not like super funky, but like my daughter, you know, her name means something in Hebrew. We're not Jewish. We're not, um, you know, followers of that, but the language itself is so nuanced. And that to me is exciting. I mean, it's probably, not as exciting. I'm talking about geeking out and being a nerd, but like words to me are so powerful, spoken word, written word, um, all of that. And now to be telling these iconic stories and I, and I had to tell these stories also. Um, so the brand I, I worked for Red Lawn, which is the parent company, but the brand I worked for, um, was Elizabeth Arden and Elizabeth Arden is, was one of the first beauty brands. And she was, uh, suffragette, like she also back to this whole woman empowering thing, you know, she had the first lipstick, you know, her and Estee Lauder, they they came up at the same time. And having that responsibility of taking this iconic brand, and we struggled, you know, with the worlds of coming out with, um, you know, I don't know if you know, makeup, but MAC, or the more um, trendy you can liken it to a boutique brand or a craft beer or something like that starts to emerge. And people are like, Oh, well, Elizabeth Arden is just for old people or, you know, you know, it's a, it's, it's a dying brand, but it's the foundation of makeup, you know? So to tell that story and put that story and, you know, to in front of people was something that was important to me too. And also I worked Mm -hmm. in global, um, So telling this American New York story about this woman who owned, you know, horses that race in the Kentucky Derby. And she came up with one of the ointments she came up with um, was what they used on the hoofs of the, of the, of the um, horses to, you know, to moisturize them. And then there's this cream called eight hour and somebody took that eight hour cream, put it on a, on a, well, it wasn't called eight hour at the time, put it on a, a, on a burn. And within eight hours, they say that, you know, it started to heal. It's Pedro- it was petroleum, you know, based and, you know, very wow. you know hydrating, but at that time it was mind blowing, you know, so crazy about- origin
0: story, man. That's wow. Yeah.
1: But you know, these are story, I mean, it- you have less time to tell those, those stories. I mean, it's a makeup lady at a counter where, you know, with cigars, you know, it takes a-, a good amount of time to smoke a cigar and you can tell these stories or we have these platforms to talk about them like this now because of the, um, the community, the cigar community is, you know, so tight. Um, I think that yeah. there is um, a, a bigger platform, but, you know, there's, again, there's another, op- and actually that brand was from 1935 as well. It's like crazy. Like, Oh, wow. Well, there's, <laughs> yeah, a par- there's, a there's a parallel. Yeah,
0: I yes. was going to, that, that's a, that's a coincidental parallel. I was going to ask you, like, if if the world, is, like you, you just said it, the cigar world is so tight and it, it's, it, it's crazy. in such a short amount of time. Yes, this is my 263rd take. I've been doing this for six years. But when you think about six in the in the the grand scheme and scope of the cigar industry spanning hundreds of years, it's it, you know, it's a blip. Mm-hmm. But yet I, I have the great opportunity and and to meet wonderful people like yourself and Raphael. And I can walk into a room like at the PCA trade show and I know so many people. Um, and have relationships with them which is incredible is is the is the world of makeup very similar um not at
1: all not at all it's it's got to be a
0: groundish scale right I mean we're talking it's
1: so big yeah it is just it's not like that it's not as intimate like that um the stories are um there are other stories too that we can talk about during that time of transformation when I was in that industry um you know um, makeup foundation only came in like certain shades, you know, and there was no in between. So it they didn't accommodate for darker complexion, having different ranges. It was, you know, either chocolate or this or that, you know, and when I came into the industry, you know, there, we went from having, let me say 10 shades to over 60 shades, to accommodate this different skin tones. And it was little by little, you know, there's different undertones and things like that, that you have to accommodate, but it's just seeing that in itself is an was a telling point of how important it is to continue to adapt within an industry. Uh and you see it with cigars too i mean it's definitely
0: well, i mean that i mean that's incredible in itself cuz i mean this was what like mid 2000s like mm-hmm. you know 2012, 2012, well yeah, or yeah like early aughts, even where you're talking about i mean that's not that long ago i mean and no, makeup makeup's been around you know the the beauty industry's been around for again hundreds of years too i mean in in all that and in, in all aspects so it's it's and crazy certain-
1: yeah, in certain regions what women were doing in say South Africa, because I work in travel retail, um global travel retail, which was also a really interesting um segment to work in, um, because it op- op- operates very similar to a humidor, um, because you are in duty free, you are right next to your competitor, just like you are in a humidor. So how do you stand out? How what's your point of differentiation? Why does, sure. how are you going to get you know the consumer to come to your shelf? Um but, um, in travel retail, it was interesting what how people would, how the women um, would accommodate. So they sometimes these poor the in the poorer areas, they would have to buy two foundations, mix them together in order to get the right color, you know, So it's like, oh wow. how unfair okay. is that? you know, to you know, to Pay twice
0: the the money to
1: make make your shade. Exactly. Um, But, you know, that's where you have to have some kind of uh, ethical business practices. Yeah. As a business, yeah, you're making more, you know, now for every purchase, this person has to purchase too. But is that really fair? I mean, you know, and then what they would, you know. Well, it it's, was our responsibility to, to fit this need, you know, I mean, and in the long run, obviously that is, that was, well, that's the way that it it was for everybody.
0: Well, and it works too, especially if you're like the f- one of the first or one of the first to do it, you know, right. you, yes, you, you know, you end up making less as a company, but you end up making more because now you're appealing to more people. And I mean.
1: And you're Yeah. And you're creating a product that, is for them you know like that is mm-hmm. that's definitely something that consumers in most industries they you know and that's a product for me you, you and, want to product that resonates with your values with you know your behaviors your look you know well and size, things like that yeah
0: and what a parallel to what you what you specialize into because you came in you were really involved in fragrance and again to bring it to bring it to the present too, cigars are, are very much a very personalized experience too. You know, I mean, there are, there are sense that for men and women that like, I wouldn't wear that. That's not my, that's not my fragrance. That is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's not my cigar type, but this is, you know, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, some, some, some very, <laughs> very, prominent like you know, parallels I mean, here and
1: I and I really didn't realize that until I was giving like my pitch in my interview and I'm like you know they're like how how is this going to work and I'm like man it's like kind of the same thing like we have to create the boxes there's secondary and primary packaging so there's the box there's the actual like the bands there's the cigar just like there's a fragrance bottle that fragrance bottle comes in another package that package is on the shelf you have to merchandise it it's just it was, you know, walking even through it, you know, I didn't even prepare for that question, but it just organically, it, there, it's, it, it's the same. Aromas, notes, fragrance notes, notes within a cigar. Um, it's obviously, you know, it's an uh-huh. olfactory experience as well. Um, you're wearing it on your body, things like that. Even the way that it's made and bottled, you know, things like that too. I want to work backwards
0: too because I, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying the cigar and I'm afraid that it'll be gone before we don't talk about it. So I want to I want to kind All of right. work backwards here <laughs> in some of the projects that you worked on. And so I mean and you've you've achieved so much in a short amount of time. I think it's worth noting, you know, you've had a you know you've been promoted a couple of times since your time here at Altidus, Um and now you're the um senior brand director, correct?
1: Senior Director of Marketing. Senior so, Director uh, of marketing.
0: marketing. Um, I knew I was going to change up the the titles. <laughs> there. I got I senior. Know, I, I got so senior in know. there and director <laughs> in there. Those are the important. Those are the important things. Senior Marketing Director. And and like you said, you wear a lot of hats and everything. But I think it's I think it's absolutely incredible that you get to work on these historic brands. And we just, we talked about it a little bit. So uh, bringing it back to it. So so the OG you were a part of. Um, and we'll we'll work our way back to that. Because I think, but I want to talk about the Edition Diamante. What was, what, what spoke to you about this project? You know, we could talk about the blend and everything like that. But I think more importantly, like we were talking about with packaging and stuff, it's, let's bring that to it. Like, what was your, what was the goal in mind that you saw when you first were starting to take on the project, and what did that entail, and how did you come up with the Edition Diamante? Where, how did how it did so all come to together? I talk about the
1: Edición Diamante without talking about the OG because actually the Edición Diamante, which wasn't that at the time with the natural wrapper, um, was what we were going to launch with first. Um, okay. And through that, um, there's a huge, you know, long bl- blending, testing through that you know maturing of different blends and tweaking that goes on between you know um the blending teams. Obviously, you know, Raf and, and EJ are the head of those teams for for this, for these two cigars. Um, but when they were started with the when they were working on the Maduro as well at that time, the darker wrapper, it it was, it was almost like, hmm, we need this is what the market needs right now. It looks dark. It doesn't. You know, it's not. You know, it's. This is our cha- Our time to educate the consumer that Monte Cristo. This is what a Monte Cristo Maduro would be, and this is what a Monte Cristo Nicaragua should be. You know. So I think that it gave it a defining um, uh, path um, and a and a and a way in. And obviously, we can't be happier with the successes of it. Um, and. But the natural, when ref, so, so then that whole, that whole campaign started. Right. And he, so I was like, Hey, you know, so when are we going to launch the the natural, you know, that's, you know, it's about, you know, it's about that time. And he said, you know, Jennifer, like, I wanted to, like, I wanted it to kind of just be kind of, you know, the same cigar, just in two different wrappers. That's how I had envisioned it. I didn't want it to be anything. That's just how I envisioned same blend just different wrapper. And he said, you know, if, cause I was everything with, I was coining with the other one was gold. The packaging was gold and, you know, it was the gold standard or, you know, the, the cigar by what other cigars are measured by things like that. These like superlative uh, words that we were using to describe what the OG was. And he said, you know what, Jennifer, if, if that's gold, this is a diamond. And I'm like, say less. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> diamond. <laughs> Diamonds, you say? (laughs) I got this. (laughs) Um, I was like, perfect. So um from there, you know, you know, it was a you know, a much richer um tobacco that was needed to to produce that the taste and the aroma that they were looking for, a little bit more very expensive, actually. So it was the best of the best. And yes, it was a little bit more elevated, the Diamante to me is a, an elevation, you know, gold in itself is obviously up here, but a diamond is a diamond. And I think that it just organically evolved. And then from that, as I usually do, I keep going deeper and deeper because that's how I am. And I'm like, man, this, there is a lot of similarities in how you produce a diamond and how it's literally starts off as coal, coal, ripped from the ground, you know, just like tobacco is brought out of the dirt. And then you have to pressurize it, just like you do with a fermentation and a pilon. the same thing you're doing with a diamond to hone it and then to, to get it to where it is. And then you've got these crafts, it's a craftsman and artistry of both. There's just so... That, the shaping of a
0: diamond. Facets, we brought that into it. Facets, yeah,
1: honing, yeah. the... You know, the attention to detail, the clarity, C-
0: clarity, color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm you, you got that. me hooked. I'm in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, so I'm like that, the, that meticulous attention to detail in both industries. And then on top of it, it's AJ, who's a perfectionist, you know, so that is, you know, the, it just, it just lent itself to, um, to become what it is today. And, um, and, well- well, even Definitely shape, too, just
0: to throw in another one. Yeah,
1: you know, shape, you know. um, uh, yeah, they, they actually, both use aging processes to enhance mm-hmm. the character of the product as well. Like, there's just so many different things. Weight, yeah, size, you know, you got, right. yeah, hairs, you got your, yeah. Em, yeah,
0: your emerald cut.
1: Oh, cuts you know, as well, just, yes, yeah. there's just so many things that it would just, you know, we're like, yeah, that's what it is, it's got to be that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think um, I, I think it was just it's 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 a really I thought it was really beautifully executed, and you know if I may, Jennifer, and I I hope I'm I hope I'm not stepping on anything here, but I thought you you asked me an interesting question at this year's PCA when we were looking at some of the marketing pieces and we were in between you you were so kind to give us some time and and you took us around the booth and we interviewed on several things, including this project, of course. But you, you, you asked me, like, you asked me about like, just how I felt about it, the marketing piece of it and the diamond. And and you asked like, like, do you think it's masculine? And I was like, I don't, I, I wouldn't even put feminine or masculine on it. I think it's just, I think it's perfectly, I think it's perfectly stated. You've got the diamond accent on the secondary band, you know, um, but it's not like, it's not gregarious. It's not over the top. And it, you know, I wouldn't describe it as feminine or masculine. I think it's just, I think it's, I I think it's absolutely perfect. And I, and I know I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here with me, but I, mm-hmm. I really, really a- think it was well executed. I think it was beautiful. Yeah, I don't
1: executed. know why I felt the need to ask that at that point. Maybe I shouldn't have, but like, I, I, you know, I, I sometimes do err on the side of caution to not make things too feminine because of, you know, for obvious reasons. And, you know, it is, even though it's made by women, it's made, you know, definitely the men are the, the, the larger part of the consumer base um I don't want to isolate um however you know I think your feedback was great yeah it's neither it's neither diamonds are I, for can be for anybody it's not like I'm you know I'm just I,
0: well I think what's beautiful about the project and I think what's beautiful about the cigar the marketing and how it comes together in this like this full picture is is that you know Yes, there, there's certainly a place for that more that more rugged cigar, that more, I guess you could throw that nomenclature of masculine. But for the most part, I think, um, I think even the most, you know, gruff and masculine of cigar smokers would agree there's there's an elegance and beauty to cigar smoking that that that's very much a peaceful and calming you know,
1: leisure, right? leisure. But,
0: but, okay. I, almost like a motherly stewardship. I can be bold yeah. here a little bit. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very comforting experience that, that mm-hmm. we want as cigar smokers. And, and so I, I don't think there's, it it necessarily has to embody that, that, that kind of graphic exterior necessarily. It, it's a, it's a beautiful product and it deserves beautiful marketing and, 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 um, uh, consideration for it so i just think it's incredibly well executed and um i really enjoyed it the night i smoked it for the first time with raphael when we interviewed him with coop on it but i gotta say um a uh, beauty uh beauty it does uh age well because i think this experience is being uh is, is more enjoyable than the first for me personally uh i'm really enjoying this in the toro size i smoked it in a different vitola last time but this toro is fantastic um I'm really loving the retro hail on it. The aroma's spectacular. Um, got to ask you, as far as a, you personally, like from a, where you're, like your palate is, like which which one do you which one do you enjoy more?
1: Uh, the diamante is is more my speed, um, I'd say. Although it depends, you know the it depends the sizes. The sizes really do make a difference. Um, the demi um of the um og which is the smaller corona love that and size then,
0: holy cow it's fantastic
1: yeah, that with a with coffee with a cappuccino is like the bomb for me the diamante is good it gives me this yeah, a little bit more of a a, a luxury and status lifestyle feel so I, I you know today i drink johnny blue like you know it, it it calls for a little bit more of a to dress it up a little bit um it really is what I, what, you know, you're in the mood for. But actually, this original Nicaragua, the OOG, <laughs> the uh, Nicaragua series also by AJ is also a very, it's, it, they all kind of fit together in a sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know, in a way, like for me, this is a good cigar just to smoke. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm saying that I do like these Nicaraguans. Um, my my usual go-to to be honest with you, with, with Monte Cristo is, um is the Espada. I do like Espada, another Nicaraguan. So That's,
0: that's a good one <laughs> as well. The, uh, the one that you're smoking, I really enjoyed. That was another different take. It still had what I would describe as Monte Cristo tendencies. And I think it wasn't such an offshoot of it. And like I said, I think I love the foundation that you've kind of built where the blenders who've kind of taken it in this new direction. That's, that's completely, I would say like off that's that Monte Cristo signature, but in mm-hmm. a, but in a, just like I said, in a really daring way, which is, 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 has been really cool to see and really excited to see where this, where this goes. Um, You know, we, we, we talked about it, you know, a couple of years ago when we had you on the, the show with the OG and we, we've talked about it further in other interviews with Raphael too, about the responsibility that you guys have undertaken with this brand. You know, it's yeah. Yes. Altatus owns the brand, but it, the way that you all view it is, is, is a, a stewardship, not an ownership, Absolutely. a, a continuing, a continuing of the story. And I, I'd be hard per- I'm well, I'd go to fisticuffs with anyone who disagreed with that because I think it's I think that's the way you approach it. I think you guys do it very well. And it's, 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 it's clear and it's, it's, it's recognizable in the way that you handle these projects. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's also gives it its own unique positioning that it doesn't come from a family. There's no Monte Cristo family. There's no Mr. Monte Cristo, Right? not even a face of the the brand, to be honest with you. The cigar itself um, is what it is through tradition and and just the reputation of consistency and just, you know, an elevated experience. But then to take that, you know, obviously coming from Cuba and having, you know, where it comes from, yeah, is there some, you know, some spinoff that we have from that, you know, people in the U.S. thinking they're buying a Monte Cristo and they're like, oh, okay, well, this is the, you know, they don't know the difference, ignorance again. But it's now, even in the the three and a half years that I've been here um, with the company and working in cigars, it has... Monte Cristo in the US is its own thing. Like when we go and we meet with other, you know, our other international partners and things like that, they're so excited to smoke the the cigar because of the different complexities, but also that same balance. So balance in a Cuban cigar and a balance in a Cuban Monte Cristo and a balance in the Monte Cristo from coming from Dominican Republic or Nicaragua, or you know, those are the two regions that we, we produce in is a consistency you know yeah. you're gonna spend a little bit more on a diamante for instance but it is going to give you um a journey in a sense of luxury and that's that sensory experience and engaging the senses 360 if you will um and not like in a flashy way you know like it's mm-hmm. more like let the product speak for itself and that's that's kind of what carries the weight is how I I go into it when, you know, I, I don't have, I don't know anything about blending, you know, I, I trust full-heartedly and, you know, the people who are working on these blends, I just need to get these tidbits and understand, you know, what, what the journey is so that I can articulate it. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that that is something really cool about my job as well. And it was something in, in, in fragrances as well. You know, we keep talking about, you know, the parallels, but just, um, of everything that's been going on in my life since day one, I guess. <laughs> but the how you enjoy both products is often associated with this refined uh, lifestyle, and that's what it is.
0: Well, I think it's 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 very apparent the respect that you have for the brands, um, particularly Monte Cristo specifically, since we're talking about it. But we'll, we'll we'll pivot here in a in a few moments to talk about some of the other projects you work on. And have worked on, but it's very apparent to me the respect that you have for it. just having the brief conversations that we did, like at this past year's trade show and our previous interview, for example, like there, I, I can, you can tell just from listening to you, like how much respect you have for the place that it has in the industry and the place that it has in the course of the history of it. Um Like, I, I remember this, Um I, I know this is going to sound really bizarre, but I, I, I remember this. Cause I made note of it because it, 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 it seemed very, it seemed very important to you. The night that you did the interview with us on the OG, it was, it was, it was in the winter and you were outside and bless your heart. It was really cold. <laughs> and, um and you went and put on the Monte Cristo jacket. And you, the, you actually ashed on your coat. I remember this. And the care that you took to make sure that, it was wiped off clean, and that that you wanted the Monte Cristo to stand out. I I, I know it sounds weird, but I I remember like just because we were on a Zoom call, I just remember just watching you do that, and I was like, this really matters to her, and it <laughs> should, and it and it was just it, like it was just one of those fleeting moments that it just I don't know it stuck in my head. But
1: I did, though, and I, that's interesting that you you did notice that even when we have samples of cigars. And I see, you know, people are like shoving them in a box or, you know, like, I I just, it's not about being OCD or anything like that. It's just, you know, going back to knowing where these cigars came from and how these people who don't have much have so much pride in what they're producing for us hand by hand from their hands to ours. Like, I don't know, the brand itself means so much to our loyal consumers as well. You know, we've got people who are you know and smoke their first Monte Cristo and are still smoking that same Monte Cristo and to me who am I to you know come in three years and you know kind of just be nonchalant about it so I do I do have an allegiance to the to the brand all of them to be honest with you but um with um with Monte Cristo especially just because I know what it means um to the history of cigar making, if you will, and the people who make it and my boss and my parents. And, you know, there's just so many different things that when you see those six swords, it, it means something. When you see that Monte Cristo yellow, it means something.
0: The, um, it's, like I said, it's just a really, it's a really fantastic storytelling of of all these story brands and, and to just to pivot to some of the other projects you work on h upman is probably one of my my favorite brands um mostly because it very similarly to monte cristo monte cristo is named after obviously the story you know the, the mm-hmm. book itself Alexandre dumas which was a favorite uh of cigar rollers back in the day as it was read um, on the floor of the factory and everything. And then that's where that's the origin of it. And again, how can you not be romantic about cigars? It's wonderful. H. Upman doesn't have that story. H. Upman is is the story of it actually is a person. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, at the time, a very prestigious banking family that, you know, found roots in Cuba and, and developed this brand. And and so I've always I've always found it interesting, the directions that 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 the company you company has taken with it there have been products that i have absolutely adored there's ones that i haven't liked as much but recently i've really really enjoyed what you guys have done with aj and those products and stuff and the banker series in particular uh originally it didn't hit my palate necessarily but i really really liked what you guys did that this year's PCA trade show and i will say i've smoked a cigar and it's fantastic the day trader um was such a man we're talking about gen z a second ago i mean you're you're bringing that you're bringing that into that with that brand i mean what a i mean we talked about honoring history a second ago with monte cristo you're modernizing h upman with with this one so i mean what a complete like almost 180 Talk about the, the the how that kind of branding and marketing was kind of developed for this project.
1: So well, it's it's it is a modernization of if you think about it, banking. Um but imagine if the two brothers, Herman and August, were in present day. I mean back then, or even back then, they were innovative in their own right with how they they're they're credited for using Cedar um as a way of preserving cigars. I mean, they are pioneers in that industry and groundbreakers. And it was more of a, if these two guys were here today, what would they be doing? How, what would banking look like to them? It wouldn't be in a vault. It wouldn't be obviously the old school there. They are, they may have had the first crypto, you know? Who knows? So that's kind of where it started. <laughs> That's, right. You know, that's kind of where it started. And, you know, I, you know, I know crypto is a bad word, but originally the cigar was going to be called crypto. Um, we had, we went to press and everything. Um, actually, probably someone you know from United, he used to work with us. Um, he was, he worked, he worked with me on this and he, he and I worked on this from the beginning. This was really his brainchild. Um, and it was crypto. Um, when he went, he was there for the press run of the of the bands. And literally that day, crypto shit the bed. And it was like, we can't name the cigar that, you know, like imagine all the people who lost money, like we don't want it to have a negative connotation. Um, mm-hmm. So we actually had already had a strategy of kind of uh, bifurcating this idea of new money and old money. Um, which I okay. think is super cool. Yeah. Um, so the banker itself, um, and then perhaps you know, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, but things that are more in line with uh, you know a vault in that old school way of banking back then, that is that you know sets it in a certain period of time. You know, late 18, 1800s, 1844 when the brand started. Or, you know, that has its you know its own kind of um, vibe. You know, it's also JFK's favorite cigar was an H. HM. Chapman. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. old money. Even that family's old money. So that has its own kind of story. But this other story of this day trader, it's innovation, but me coming from tradition, right? So banking is banking, but it's the evolution of how banking how banking has evolved. And to me, that's that's what that that's what that story is. And you know, the fact that you know those two German bankers. You know did come. You know to Cuba. You know saw a value in cigars and gave that to their most prestige customers um, as clients as a gift. Like I mean, they could give them anything, but that's what they wanted to give them because they knew it was such a luxury product that people you know enjoyed it and they enjoyed you know the the cultivation and the process of it as well. So let's fast forward that. Now we've got these Gen Z. We've got these new you know people who also are old souls as well, but w- why not? They're at home now, you know, no one, you know, yeah. they're in front of their computer, they're making their money, you know, they're smoking their cigars, they're working remote, you know, like let's give, give that its own time to shine. So that's that's where that came from. Um, so that's well, why it I, says a new money release.
0: Well, I think it's the, the simultaneous release of this very modernization, like we talk about with the day trader, and the cigars, like I said, it's, it's pretty darn good um and the love barbieri which is very much you know we mentioned the term old soul we've said it a few times tonight and that has that feel to it with a twist not to be too punny but again you got the barber pole um but i love the setup that you guys had introducing that product you guys had the barber chair the old you know the like the the old barbershop what that would look like and feel that what a great experience that was for the PCA attendees um so talk about that you you have this one brand that you're you're doing these very very different types of launches um simultaneously um that had to be challenging in itself
1: so HMN when I started um so it, I felt it was such an important brand to the industry and has, again, a responsibility with it being one of the oldest brands. Um, but it still struggled with a little bit of an identity crisis, right? So an HMN, you know, you know, so it was, well, what is this brand? We, so we had, like you said, we had these other, you know, launches that were, like I said, the ingot, this, that, I mean, it all kind of made sense, but, the product itself wasn't resonating, then it was just a little bit too much. Then it was, you know, we had this great success with the HMN by AJ, um, then we're like, oh, well let's, you know, do a collaboration line. We brought in some other different um, variations of it, but we know we we noticed that the HMN by AJ was starting to have its own identity outside of what the brand was, which it had it kind of started to kind of stand on its own. Um, And the reason for that was we didn't have a core. So similar to what we have with Monte Cristo, where we have, you know, the paper wrap boxes and with Romeo y Julieta, you know, the 1875, the Reserva Real is very traditional uh, Mm -hmm. paper wrap boxes. uh, HMN has that. They have the 1844 um, um, Reserve, the 1844 Vintage Cameroon. Um, Then right before I started, they launched the 1844 Añejo um out of Honduras, which was great cigar, kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit with um, COVID and just also just change in in in, in marketing teams. Um, so we saw that there was uh, a hole there. So we launched mm-hmm. a class which was the um, Ecuadorian Connecticut. So that with that launch we took that opportunity to create and put together all those as a, as a story, you know, experience the nuances um, of nature. So different rappers, different, you know, profiles, let's tell that story. They all look the same. You know, this is, this is what the core should be. And then I've always, I always had this idea of a barber pole because these guys had these like gnarly like beards, you know, they were like, you know, and that was just like,
0: you know, me, I love a good beard. It still
1: is. It's still so popular. Like, you know, they obviously got quaffed somewhere, you know, they were smoking. I just saw it. They're smoking their cigars. They're in this, in Cuba, you know, getting their little shave talking about, you know, business, just like they do nowadays, you know, you go to yeah. the barbershop and that's where you kind of get all your, your tea and gossip and, you know, it's, it's a moment. And to me, I, saw an opportunity and we all saw an opportunity to set this cigar in a certain place in time and the barber chair um I thought was you know never nobody really ever goes out and calls something called it specifically a barber pole two rappers this that you know we say it in in inter-industry because we know yeah. that's what it looks like um I but it's just never been put. Her. Yeah,
0: but the two have never yeah. come together. I thought that was I thought that was incredibly well done because, and 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 to your point too, like tonight, that there's a couple of themes going on tonight. We we talk about old souls, but we also talk, we've also mentioned about just parallels, and there's a lot there's a lot parallel between the barbershop of yore and today, and the cigar shop too. You know they're very, very they're very intrinsically connected that way where you know that's where you do get the the story of the day the gossip the the water cooler talk you know whatever you know nomenclature you want to put on it but I think the um I, I think it was just it, it was incredibly smart you know, just to put a very simple word on it, to actually make that, that connection that we've associated with it by, I mean, that's what it's called. It's their barbable cigars. And, Mm -hmm. and, and no one's actually ever put those two together in the way that you guys did. And I thought that was, that was incredibly well done. So fantastic. Um, Before we go to some of our fun segments and transition here, I I, can't, we can't, we can't leave Our discussion of some of the projects you worked on without talking about another historic brand that you've had the opportunity to work with and you mentioned it a little bit earlier but Romeo Julieta uh, what another iconic and you know going back to your literature background what a beautiful brand that is and you've you've had the opportunity to work on that as well Um, talk about the projects you had an opportunity to do in in this in this with this historic brand
1: So Romeo and Julieta, so the way that we were structured, um, we just went through a restructure. Um, I had a a counterpart. So we split up our portfolio of brands. Obviously, you know, we have tons of brands Mm -hmm. and my my bucket was, didn't, so we took the two biggest brands and we separated them. So it was Romeo, Team Romeo and say Team Monty. And then under Team Monty, I had all these other brands. Um, And then there was Team Romeo and my counterpart had that. other brands as well so when we restructured she um she had since since left got married now i oversee both of them so i am like literally in may just started this position just getting my teeth into these into these brands um and i'm just couldn't be more excited and you know when there's something new especially when you're a creator like this um working with the team who is also you know pretty pretty new as well nobody am I the most senior person on our team right now? Well, yes, I am. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, with the company. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's great though, because these, these marketing professionals have a different perspective they come from different industries as well and bringing that in as well and you know now we have a little we did a a very small um market test of a thousand consumers um you know there's it's hard to get data on cigars um cigar smokers and consumers so you know a paid, paid agency and seeing the trends and having these this emergence of women in the industry and, and and that Romeo and Julieta is not resonating with that woman consumer to me is just like an opportunity and I have like this mm-hmm. you know like Julieta like what about Julieta you know <laughs> like she she has her own story you know so I, I'm really excited about that. Um, right now um the most I've had the most um experience in the most recent launch is the envy. Um, but that was a project from, from my counterpart, um, which is pretty cool. Um, that idea of, you know, the eternal, then the envy and this, this story of the different stages of love and, uh, you know, different feelings that you evoke within, you know, when you're falling in love. I think that's something that I really love. The bed of roses was something that was launched during, um, during my tenure. Um, and now, you know, the twisted and the love story, Mm -hmm. twisted love story, twisted, um, Toro and I'm so proud and to say that you know TDG, Caballero Garcia, when I was there visiting, you know, that the bankers, great things are coming out of TDG, um, where you know during the the move of the factory, we had to take a you know a, a back seat, you know, and they were still so, you know, they produce the bulk of you know the bread and butter, what pays a mortgage, you know, but to see them now doing these innovative things as well and being open, that meeting that I was at. Is called um, FAMA, so it's a it, it's a a task force of the factory marketing, um, manufacturing, and product capability coming together, and sh- it's like a knowledge share and educating you know the group with the maestros and the people in the factory of what the U.S. is now looking. So I presented that study um, and. It was you could see the engagement, and I, I, I'm very optimistic that there's going to be some amazing things coming out from Romeo um, I, in
0: the future. I'm so excited that you have your hands on it now, just because of what you've done so far with your team and Raphael and everybody. Like, it's I'm really excited about that. That to me, for for the longest time, Romeo Julieta was this again. It's it's on the nose, but it, it has a very within my own personal cigar smoking experience. It has a very romantic place into it it's really funny because it was, it was the brand that I was told to go smoke when I first started smoking cigars. My mm-hmm. first, like you, I've only smoked. I only, I started with premium and I've pretty much stayed within the premium sphere of my, my, my smoking experience. Uh, my first cigar was a Fonseca. Um, and I remember wanting to Romeo and Julieta's um, and I, and the, the grocery store across the street from my college actually had a small humidor, and that you know, very what's become that very classic cylinder silver tubo, you know, mm-hmm. that you know, for some of the, the the more classic looks of it. But I'm so excited to see the facelift because I've, i I feel like through the years of smoking, Romeo and Julieta kind of f- not fell by the wayside for me personally, but it it kind of did just because there was no continuation of the story in a lot of ways. And, and that's obviously changed recently. You know, we just talked about a handful of the projects, but even going back to a little bit before your time with the Nicaragua, I mean, that, that cigar is incredible. And what an incredible step and different direction in the stewardship of that brand. It's, it's going to be a a saga again, not to be too on the nose, but it's going to be a saga from, the way that it's, that you guys are going to take this story. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see what you personally do with the brand. I think it'll be a wonderful thing. So yeah, no, I think
1: we've already taken a few, you know, steps in that direction. Um, And I, you know, have to give credit to Raphael. I really do think that my emphasis on storytelling and, you know, Give them credit for hiring me no I'm just kidding but no but noticing that <laughs> I need to tell stories and know it noting I'll be them. the first
0: to say it Jennifer don't you <laughs> don't you worry don't you worry
1: um but seeing that that you know was a need and really doubling down on like a lot like telling these stories um and bringing some personality to these brands yeah I mean it's you know no mistake that Romeo is a volume driver it's by stick, the most sold cigar, we call it America's most loved brand. Um, and it still is to this day in volume, like Monte Cristo in premium. I mean, and Romeo in premium is our volume driver. I mean, our numbers reflect it as well. Um, but it's, um, that is just, you know, that's the foundation, but to be able to innovate uh, now is, a, is the, a great time to do that. Um, and we've taken those those steps to, to start doing that. And I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's just the beginning of what's to come.
0: There might be some I don't know for a fact, but there might be some trademark issues that you have to looked into but I mean here's 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 my uh, my uh um, two cents of and non marketing experience but um, I'm a huge fan of Shakespeare. oh okay. I' a huge fan of Shakespeare so if you wanted to take it in some direction by honoring the actual playwright, I'd be the first on board. I'm just saying it right? ooh, out loud. Ooh, so ooh. Uh, it'd be, it'd I'll just, be really I'll just cool. drop
1: that there. Okay. I like
0: yeah, that. I'll just I'll just leave that. will <laughs> just leave that there. But um Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing your story and some of the uh the uh, we're not we're certainly not done yet. We've got some fun segments lined up here uh to to conclude our evening and we'll talk a little bit more of your projects along the way here. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for sharing you know, your story so far with us. It's been a fantastic conversation. So thank you for your time tonight
1: Absolutely.
0: as we go through this. Um, so let's go into our first fun segment, which is always a, our presidential trivia segment brought to you by United Cigars mm-hmm. featuring La Giana Havana distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the highly acclaimed atabe Byron, and now Alfonso lines from selected tobacco smoke one today and start living united so i'm changing it up tonight uh normally this 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 question is around being around presidents but it is a president adjacent we're talking about first ladies i thought it would be appropriate here giving you are my guest. so um eleanor roosevelt is commonly referred to as the most influential and most impactful first lady uh, in our nation's history she's typically at the top of those lists, uh, that you, that you see and, and, and Siena college does a study and actually produces a list every 10 years of top first ladies. And she's been tops since they started doing this, I believe in the 1960s. Um, and, uh, but there's another name that commonly comes up and she's been displaced a couple of times, but consistently she's been the number two spot holder. So, um, that's who our question is revolved around. So who's the number who's widely considered, especially in the most recent study done by Siena College, who's the m- number two most influential and impactful first lady in our nation's history? And it's multiple choice. So is it A, Dolly Madison, B Abigail Adams, John Adams' his wife, the first John Adams, not John Quincy, James, uh, James Madison's wife, Dolly Madison's A, Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, C, or George. Herbert Walker Bush, um, um, Barbara Bush, excuse me. No, I couldn't couldn't even read my own question there for a second. Barbara Bush D. So Dolly Madison, Abigail Adams, Mary Todd Lincoln, or Barbara Bush? Who's consistently number two on these lists?
1: Um, I go with Lincoln's wife mary todd
0: okay what what's uh yeah. what made you what made you say her
1: well just because of the time period that you know it was such a transformative time so influential time during you know mm-hmm. the abolition of slavery and all oh absolutely that. yeah you know, she probably had a big hand in that you know behind every strong man is a strong woman so i mean i really wanted to say i was thinking barbara bush but i couldn't think of what she really contributed I, Really if you didn't give me a a multiple choice I was going to say Nancy Reagan but since she wasn't on there Right <laughs> um
0: Nancy Reagan's a good pick interesting yeah. enough Barbara Bush is typically at the top of the poll typically she's in the top 10 consistently over the okay. uh, um since her time you know she obviously wasn't in the 60s 70s and 80s but um she's been in since the 90s of this she's poll she's been in the top 10 consistently but it's actually Abigail Adams believe it or okay. not it's B Mary Todd Lincoln. So I'll, I'll tell you that Mary Todd Lincoln pulls typically towards the bottom, and the interest. You're absolutely right. This I found this interesting too, and it was really I when I was starting, first starting to read about this stuff, I found it interesting. She has it. She's a very interesting character in our nation's history for sure. Because I thought the same thing too. Like, I mean, how could she not be considered impactful considering the time in history in which she was involved? And there, there is a lot of sordid history with mary todd you know she was uh she was very mentally imbalanced yeah Yeah. mental
1: health yeah and
0: and and unfortunately she was the target and this is of a lot of lincoln's adversaries they couldn't they well they went after him for certain but you know they went for the they went unfortunately as as people as, as as people who our low brow tend to do they 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 pick on the weakest target and and why not i mean the the horrible things that were said about her and her mourning of her child's death was just awful um she was the subject of two not one but actually two congressional investigations for like embezzling funds and the you know the the mm-hmm. mistreatment of funds sorts like uh um uh, an investigation was was launched into her usage of she redid the white house completely like like gutted it did a lot of renovation brought in a lot of new furniture carpeting, Mm -hmm. flooring i mean the, the the white house was was in a lot of ways her mark today and that's why i argue impact right her her a lot of her work today exists in the White House as we know it today some of, like some of the original flooring that that she had installed and stuff like that and obviously we've taken a lot better care of uh uh of our uh the executive branch's home uh over, over the last 150 years as opposed to the first 50 years of our of our nation's history it was um it wasn't uh, it wasn't as well taken care of unfortunately but uh, she had it completely gutted and and there was this of course, this just set people on fire, and they 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 launched this very yeah, change, unfortunate. Change yeah. yeah, of course, they launched this unfortunate and sorted investigation into her and and everything. And again, I would argue, I I would argue what you your answer to, just because I think her impact is still felt today and everything. So it's interesting. So
1: what did what if I if you don't mind explaining what what who was the number two like what what did, what was her impact uh, Madison. At-
0: Abigail Adams. No, I would have... If, if you had asked me prior to my just knowledge of the list and stuff, if you had asked mm-hmm. me, I would have probably said Dolly Madison because I thought, I, you know, she saved some of the most prized artifacts from the White House during its burning in the War of 1812. And mm-hmm. shoot, that in itself makes her one of my personal heroes. Um, but, um, but it, it was... It, she... From from everything that I understand about Abigail Adams, that she she the way she supported her wife her her wife her husband John in a lot of his um and a lot of his endeavors, presidentially speaking, and uh, she campaigned on his behalf, and she was much beloved by the name, almost even more so than her husband was much more beloved of a figure, and and a lot of people apparently this is the from some of the writings that I was reading that um people weren't voting for him so much as they were voting for her
1: oh okay
0: so um mm-hmm. so she did a lot of things in a in an age too I mean we, we're talking about the late 1700s early 1800s yeah where no. women unfortunately had a certain place in society and for her to actually step out to the forefront a campaign on her husband's behalf was 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 quite you know
1: groundbreaking yeah groundbreaking
0: no. and revolutionary yeah, it's for that, its day. I like so that
1: for sure yeah no. I, I
0: I find it incredibly gratifying that she is so high on the list and that she did play such a prominent role in his presidency and in, in his presidential term because, um, here was a here was a, here was a person who so fervently believed in our the early American standard that, despite her inability to vote. Right, and that's still
1: be so influential, which is I think it, is so interesting, and that kind of was all, yeah. So maybe, I, maybe I do agree. I just didn't know much about her, but yeah, yeah, she's got a little bit of a, a Michelle Obama vibe. It sounds like yeah. that, <laughs> you know, that people liked her just as much as they liked Obama, and now you know, like she yeah. has her own kind of following, if you will, you know. So I think that that's cool. And, yeah, it's for it, men who are voting and voting because, you know, they think he had a good picker. Yeah, she's <laughs> so
0: she's been on uh, Michelle's only Michelle Obama's only been on one poll. She's been on the most recent one in 20 in this year is 2023. Mm. Um, for some reason, they left her off in 2013, even though that he was she was she was. She's she was sitting, obviously yeah. there. She was the sitting first lady, but it's interesting in 1993 in the same position, I found this, I found this pretty egregious by the study, to be honest. So Michelle Obama was, was left off the list in 2013, but Hillary Rodham Clinton was on the list in 1993, oh, oh, in 1993, where her husband had only been in office for a year. And that was the only year that Abigail Adams has been displaced as number two.
1: By Hillary.
0: By Hillary Rodham Clinton. In mm-hmm. 1993, she had catapulted to number the number two spot. Oh, I'm
1: going to follow
0: this poll from
1: now on. Yeah. I think so. Yeah.
0: Wow. So it's pretty crazy. And then what's f- in in how just modern day history and how you're judged? It's interesting because, like you know, you think about Eleanor Roosevelt, Abigail Adams, Abigail Adams from two centuries ago. Eleanor Roosevelt from, you know, at this point now, you know, coming up on, you know, 80 years of different in, 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 in terms of time, how time seems to, how time seems to affect history and everything. Cause like, I think what will, you know, 50 years from now, 80 years from now, hundred years from now, I think history will judge Hillary Clinton differently. I think they'll judge uh, Michelle Obama differently. In a way that, you know, that's, you know, that they're probably just not recognized for in their modern day. Um, yeah, no,
1: when you're like, yeah, exactly. When you're kind of on the outside um, looking in, you can kind of identify things from a different from a different perspective. Sure. Yeah, I
0: think they'll find a place wherever they land on the list. I think they'll they'll probably over the span of, you know, decades, you know, each decade they'll probably find their spot wherever their spot is and that's where they'll kind of stay because that's what's interesting about modern history, right? You're judged kind of in a vacuum very quickly and so like Hillary was number 2 in 1993 and 2003 she dropped to the bottom or near the bottom. Hmm. You know, in 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 the span of 10 years. And it's like okay, how how much how much influence can one person drop that poorly? And, and of course, you know, she had the entire term of her husband's presidential segment at that point to kind of judge. And I think it's more of a judgment on his presidency rather than on her impact in 2003, at least. So it's an interesting study. Like I said, it's an, it's a, it's a it's a poll. It's an interesting study. Um, I found it pretty cool. Um, you know, just historically speaking and everything. So to kind of reflect on that, but I thought it would be a, a fun poll to bring up. So yeah. uh, cool. Well, that was our presidential adjacent trivia for uh, this episode uh, brought to you by, of course, United Cigars featuring La Gianna Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, grafflo the Firecracker and the highly acclaimed Adabe Byron. And now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. So smoke one today and start living United. Um, so our next segment, we talked about this, at least originally, and then we, again, we we talked about it in the green rooms this evening, and I think this is a fantastic, fantastic organization. Um, it's one of my favorite segments each week. I always give my guests the opportunity to spotlight and highlight a charity or nonprofit of their choosing, and uh, you chose this wonderful organization, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, but this is the uh, Apriquin. Um uh, yeah. Turning Tears into Smiles is their slogan, um, a wonderful organization, and I'll just, um, Jennifer, I'll give you the floor, and let's take a couple of minutes and recognize what great work that they do.
1: Yeah, so Gwen, um was first brought to my attention by um, Rafael, um, who obviously travels to Nicaragua. I haven't had the pleasure to travel to Nicaragua yet. Um, I look forward to doing that, but when he was telling me about this, it's, it was just, it was educational. And at the same time, it was like, wow, what a story. So the story is this um, it is a nonprofit um, that was developed by um, two, a uh, family, a uh, um, husband and a wife. I think their last name is Payas. Um, And they have very rich ties um, in, I think in in liquor. Um, They were traveling on on an airplane and they uh, survived. The only two survivors were a husband and a wife in the worst airplane crashes. And I'm reading this from the website right now in Central American aviation history. So they survive, they're suffering from massive burns and pain. um, And it gave them a, a renewed compassion and empathy towards children they had to go back and get, you know, they had to have different multiple surgeries to repair their skin. And as they looked into that and they were, you know, going to the recuperation, there was children who um, were also, you know, being, there's some stats in here, which is crazy um, that we were reading earlier um, in Nicaragua, since it's a third world country, um, you know, the electrical infrastructure is not that great. So children who are burned with, you know, or with boiling water kids' skin grows. So they, it's very substantial amount of money that you have to go to continue to, um, to repair your skin and do, you know, multiple surgeries. Cause as you, as you grow your skin grows. So then they have to keep doing the the graphing. So long story short um, in 1991, this couple established this nonprofit um, with a goal of providing free medical care to children suffering from burns. And then, you know, it just has evolved from there. You know, they, they, they designed um, a burn center couple of years later, um, their first public hospital, a public hospital where the medical teams and the nurses provided special life services for up to 11 years. So with a kid is burned, yeah, it takes about 11 years of, you know, you growing depending on when it happens. And I think we were seeing that it was over 50%, 60% of uh, the burn victims in Nicaragua are under the age of five. So, you know, for 11 years you have to continue to get these surgeries that are very expensive um so they opened this burn burn center and you know all the proceeds that go that are raised for this go go towards um turning tears into smiles for these um these children so um it's something that i i i didn't know about um i think it was astonishing that these two this couple you know took their tragedy and you know saw a need um, that they are the only, they were the only survivors in the biggest, you know, aviation crash in Central America. Like that's crazy to me. So, you know, it's something that, you know, and we do a lot of um, work in in Nicaragua as well. And I know that it's Mm -hmm. it's close and dear to some of our third party um, partners as well. So um, Abroquine.
0: What a, it's a great organization there. You you said this, there's a tale of numbers here that are just Mm -hmm. out incredible when you think about it. In Nicaragua, 90% of burns occur at home. 72% are caused by boiling liquids. 66% of patients, 66% of patients aren't just children. They're children under the age of five.
1: That's I know I have
0: a child uh, under five. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. And
0: that's, that's terrifying. For me, fifty-three <laughs> yeah. percent uh, of accidents occur in the kitchen. Seventy-four oh. percent of the time, there is an adult present.
1: Adult present. Yep, that's the one. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yes, yeah, so thirty-two years of this, um, of these, of this, um, this charity. They've provided. I'm looking more numbers here. Six hundred eighty thousand health services to children suffering from burns. Um, and they've expanded it into the flip, clip um, and palette. Um, right, a lot of work decision. with children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It,
0: it it's interesting this the 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 pivot these two adults made with this decision. You know like, that they and they they certainly could have gone to just burn treatments in general, but they saw oh, uh, they very saw, wealthy people
1: exactly. They saw you a know. need for children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. So this was an interesting one too. So according to the global burden of disease. Uh, 2010 polling so granted this is 13 years old but still I think it's worth noting and, and they've probably made an impact on this mm-hmm. it's probably not as bad now but Burns at the time 13 years ago were the second cause of death by accident that's just crazy, oh, that's crazy. It's the second leading cause of death by accident in Nicaragua what a what a and, and and this is we've had some fantastic causes talked about you know disease research you know some great efforts you know across the you know humane um, humane society for for you know for care for animals those less fortunate poverty hunger um, certainly different diseases and this is the first time that burn victims have come up and it. it, it, it I've always astounded by this segment simply because there's such a there's such a powerful story with each of these different causes that get told and this is I mean granted I I mean I'm just going to be completely transparent with my audience uh, I could not remember Jennifer's charity she had told me about this a couple of weeks ago when we were planning the show out and I just couldn't find it I was really dismayed and she should you can attest to how flustered I was before the show that I didn't have the information in front of me but to be honest, I'm I'm actually glad that I had this experience of pulling this up for the first time and seeing some of these numbers. I mean, this is a genuine reaction for me and just about how unbelievable of an issue this is for the people of Nicaragua and the incredible work that Apriquen is doing. So this is this is this is wonderful. So thank you so much. Yeah,
1: of course. And you know, it is beyond, you know, the cosmetic part of it. I mean, obviously there is definitely a a stigma that these children are going to have to grow up with, having, you know, burns over half of their body on places that are very well noticed seen. So they're also providing other services, mental services. Um, external consultations. I mean, from the minute it's like a critical severe burn management in the intensive care unit where they're doing immediate to, you know, 11 years later when, you know, they're, you know, in high school being bullied, they're, you know, still receiving treatment. And I think that that is something that's really important to think about too, that, you know, sometimes, you know, we might donate to something, but we don't think about how far your dollar actually really goes you know and Mm -hmm. here they're telling us for 11 years one patient has services free of charge to them in a third world country and i was seeing also another number is that most uh only 32 percent of these victims happen in the city everywhere else is rural so that just also tells you about you know their socioeconomic um situation as well you know obviously the reconstructive surgery is something but that physical therapy you know the compressive garments all these things they probably cost money the doctors and nurses you know all of that so it's it's a good cause so I, I appreciate this opportunity to talk about it
0: absolutely wonderful so you guys can check it out i posted it in the chat uh it'll be in the show notes as well you can check it out uh African, um, dot org. That's a p r o q u uh, e n dot turning tears into smiles. Uh, great organization. If you feel so called, please consider donating. I went on to the donate screen, and, and uh, Jennifer has been consistent with my uh, my doing the segment each week and everything. Uh, a small amount will be donated in your honor tonight um, for bringing it to you. our attention. So thank That's you so awesome. much.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Uh, Turning our uh, attention to our next segment, which, of course, is our Everybody Eats segment. Everybody Eats, sponsored by Pastaña Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastaña Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastaña, everybody eats. So, Jennifer, I have a series of questions that I ask around food. Um, So tonight I want to, I want to ask this question for you. Um, What is the food or dish that you love that you would not have tried if it not had been not offered or even forced upon you by someone else?
1: Oxtail. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: I love me some oxtail. So what was your first experience like? Yeah. So, well, I think
1: there's different ways to prepare it right so in Cuba in my culture in Hispanic culture we call it a rabo incendio it's it's in Cuban food it's not spicy um it's flavorful but everything kind of has you know a cilantro it's you know it's flavorful but it's not spicy so when I tried this oxtail that was Jamaican Caribbean um I was like yeah I mean yeah, I've had this a million times so it's more so the way that it was prepared so this Jamaican, it's just a comfort food. I mean, I'm there sucking the bone, the whole thing, you know, like it's just uh, the marrow of it, the whole, like you literally want to eat the the whole thing with the slaw, but super spicy, has some kick. Um, I like that too. So um, I'd say that I would have never, I would have just said in my head, oxtail, I've had it already done that way, but I was um, introduced to it down here. Actually, I'm, you know, I said I'm from New Jersey. Um. I also lived in Chicago for six, seven, seven years um, right before I, I moved to um, South Florida. Um, but yeah, oxtail is something you know down here the Caribbean. Um, the Caribbean demo does well, <laughs> for sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, where, where did uh, where did you meet your husband? Did you meet him in college or in Chicago? Um,
1: in Chicago. So um, I held various uh, administrative positions like you know right out of out of school. One of them actually I've you know I've had the pleasure of working at pretty awesome companies actually. Um so I was working in Manhattan um for a commercial real estate company um and developer that um so I was commuting from New Jersey to New York um and they own and manage like Rockefeller Center, the Chrysler building like big big buildings. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, big, okay. big daddy. yeah. So they they're I mean they're massive. Um, so I worked at 666 Fifth Avenue, um, which is actually coincidentally, here we go again, um, where the Grand Havana room, that private club, was on the top of that of that building. So as a as a property manager in that, we used to get lots of complaints about the cigar smell in the <laughs> in the office. So I was actually part of the team that had to, you know, price out and um uh, wor- work with engineers to put them on their own HVAC system so that oh, okay. their, their ventilation was not going into the other class A tenants. So long story short, that company um, promoted, it had also, they acquired a building in Chicago called the ATT t Corporate Center, 2.1 million square feet. And um, yes, very, very big right downtown um, in the financial district. Um, and when they acquired that um, I had some um operational um experience with some pi- piloting some of the programs and softwares that we were using to communicate with the building engineers for like work orders and stuff. So they transferred me out there um to get them started and um I fell in love with the city. Um, you know, I went from cold to colder, New Jersey, to the... <laughs> 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 Which wasn't, you know, I didn't know any better at the time. Um but you know the summers in Chicago were so gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it was not uh, also very sports. I'm very, my, and my husband also very athletic. Um, but that's where I met him, um, in, in Chicago. So we met, um, in 2005. Um, and then in 2010, 11, we moved here. So six years, um, we moved to South Florida and we we're going to be celebrating ten years um, in October of uh, marriage, so we've been together. Wonderful! Me.
0: Congratulations on ten years! Fantastic! Is um, I was wondering if you if you had introduced him to any family recipes or any dishes?
1: He's the cook, and he's a half Liberian, and he's got all the recipes, and he can make the oxtail really well. So. Oh, fantastic!
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, even so, better!
1: Um, yeah. So Bobby is the he's the one who cooks in the in the house, and it's you know I like to cook. Um, but I don't like to cook while I'm being criticized and like <laughs> 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 over my shoulder about how I'm cutting it or, oh, you're going to use that. Oh, oh don't use that. And I'm like, you know what, bro, like you like to do this. You do it. Just go ahead. <laughs> now you're going to do it, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's your job now. And I think he regrets that now, but <laughs> um, I,
0: you make your bed. So,
1: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I'm the chef in my household as well, so I I can uh, uh, I can empathize with him. Um, but it's um, mm-hmm. it's really great. I've been able to take uh, some of her dishes, her family's dishes, and make them and stuff. So it's been kind of nice That's uh, cool. introducing my children to some of you know their their mom's favorite dishes and stuff like that. It's kind of it's kind of been fun. Um, so that's cool. Oxtail. Oxtail. Oxtail it is. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, great. Well, that is our Pastania Everybody Eats segment. If you're always make sure that your servant style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get there. Pastani Cigars will, uh, is more than just a great company of great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Pastania. Everybody Eats. This next segment, of course, is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Uh, Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Now, Jennifer, um, you've obviously been a part of some amazing launches at Altatus. You've you've cultivated a a wonderful culture of community and, and had some, I mean, just some prominent time with some prominent brands as we were talking about and stuff. So that, you know, a lot of that is community driven, you know, you have a great team that you work with, you know, you have a great community that follows the projects that you uh, bring to market and cigars are very much a, a, a community thing, you know? Um, but every so often we have that moment. That's just us and a cigar and it could be celebrating something could be just the point, you know, from the, from the read, or just the moment of reflection you might've had one of these moments, you might've had dozens, but what's one, a moment that comes to mind where it was just you and the cigar. If you can remember, what were you smoking? And uh, what was that moment about?
1: So it's a ritual um, that I do smoke each product launch um, by myself um, on the patio, that same patio that I was freezing when we had that um, meeting, but to me, um, my first, my very first project, which was the Monte Cristo Epic Vintage 12, the blue one. Oh so, great. Cigar. So yes, so that was my first campaign um when I started. It was our first step into luxury and luxurizing the brand a little bit with um, storytelling. So I'm really proud of it. You know, it was something now I look back and I'm like, Oh God, you know, maybe it was a little too tongue in cheek, but you know, the whole campaign of, um, once in a blue moon. Um, so I had a cigar, I had the Epic on a, on the blue, on a blue moon. And that was cool. Yeah. So that was the whole campaign. You know, the, that's um, not tongue in
0: cheek. That's just awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know, the Epic, the original, the um, the 07 is yellow. And then we came up with the Epic Vintage 12 from a, um, a rare um, harvest in 2012, which was a, a very good year for tobacco. Um, these, these tobaccos were um, harvested at night. So I had, mm. from the moment, I always had this vision of, you know, there being a big moon and the box ended up being this midnight blue and gold and you know with our agency we went back and forth and you know you know we came up with this you know once in a blue moon because it was rare and for me you know having having that cigar during a a blue moon was you know I think it was a super blue moon too actually it was a it was a whole it was a whole moment
0: (laughs) wow that's awesome yeah you you say tongue-in-cheek Jennifer but I'll I'll say again I think that's just awesome I mean I mean You'll never, eat. no one could ever have that moment again. You can never have that moment again. That's that's pretty crazy. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. It would have been tongue in cheek if you were drinking a blue moon, though, while you were smoking it
1: or a Johnny Blue. <laughs> or no, a that's Johnny not blue. as on the nose. The blue moon would have been worse. That was fine. Fine. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, okay, okay. So, uh, uh, to be honest, that's what I was drinking. <laughs> But yeah, so that was, you know, that was something that was very special to me, too, Um, that came out of TDG working with the with that factory as well, who was very proud of, you know, Epic um, and the success of that, you know, Epic was also uh, a line that was a departure from our traditional um, kind of modernizing it a little bit. uh, so I think that, you know, that was, uh, it, it was a moment there. And then when I came in and, you know, we wanted to do another Epic, um, I actually picked the colors of my wedding, that midnight blue color with the gold. And then it just kind of, again, you know, oh, just very cool. once it starts to flow, <laughs> once the creative juices start flowing, it kind of all comes together. So what a,
0: what a cool way to put your own personal signature on that with that. That's cool. I mean, that's, what a unique opportunity to do that. That's fantastic. So you, you mentioned this before we went live. So I thought it would be a, since you mentioned it a second ago, I think it'd be kind of cool. You, you, you don't, um, you don't drink scotch very often, but when you do it, you, you said you, it's Johnny blue. Well, what is it about that blended? It, it's a great blended scotch. It, I mean, it's, so, I think it's kind it's of so
1: like, smooth for some reason. Like I can just drink it like neat. And that's crazy. Cause I I can't do that with anything else. I mean, it's expensive, so I don't do it often, but, (laughs) you know. (laughs) When When the moment calls for it. Yeah, exactly. And I think this moment calls for it.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, We just got a couple more questions, Jennifer, to conclude our night. So this next segment, I kind of call it our, it's our rapid fire segment. It's called this or that, very aptly named. So I give you an option of two things and you pick one and it's open to interpretation. It's very, you know, open-ended for the most. Some things are precise, some things are not. Some are related to cigar, some are not. So let's just go down the list here. So let's start off. Let's start off with something cigar related, something near and dear to your heart. Um, Again, it's however you want to perceive this you want to look at it from a professional standpoint or a palette standpoint or whatever. So, Monte Cristo or Romeo y Julieta.
1: Monte Cristo, that's my baby.
0: There you go. <laughs> I fe- I figured that'd be the answer. But I thought it would be worthwhile. Okay.
1: Maybe uh, we, we'll have this and after I get my teeth into Romeo, we can have a different conversation. But yeah. right now, yeah, I mean, I I wear Monte Cristo on my back. So, I um I'm I'm repping. team I'm repping. Team
0: Money. Team Money. Yes.
1: The Team money.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely have you back. Cause I'd love to, I'd love to talk about some of the latest projects uh, down the road too. So that'd be great. Um, beach or mountains?
1: Ooh, beach. <laughs> I'm not an, uh, I'm, I'm more of a glamping type of person. Um, I don't really love the sand, but I do like the tropics. I like water. A lake. know. I just, I, if I had to pick this or that, it would have to be a beach.
0: Yeah. I'm 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 glad you said the sand. The sand drives me crazy. I just that's why I I definitely am a mountains person. The sand drives me that crazy. And
1: yeah, no, the sand sucks.
0: But plus, you know, this with kids, you have a wagon of of shit that you just have to carry through the through the sand. Which is, you might have wheels, but the wheels don't work. You're grateful for the wheels because it would be so much worse without wheels. But the wheels don't work, and it's just a it's a it's a whole thing. But I do it for I do it for the kids because they love it. They love the beach. So why not? All right. So in the spirit of glamping, as you mentioned, fireplace or fire pit outside. Fire pit. More of yeah, an outside. For sure. nice. Well,
1: just because you can smoke outside. Um, I don't smoke inside. Well, today I am, but I don't smoke inside my house. But also I think it's a Fire pits around. I like the idea of everybody sitting around the fire. Um, maybe a little chill outside and the fire, and then you're not cold at all. Yeah, so not freezing not like
0: you were the first time we talked. Yeah, like
1: if I had a fire pit that day, that would have been clutch. Um, no, I think I, I like that vibe. Um, nice. The kids also love that. Um, fireplace, I feel like I grew up around that a lot and it's just very holiday-ish there's not very many fireplaces down here in south florida that's for sure um more fire pits fire pits are for friends you you answered
0: my next one which was inside or outside smoking so it sounds like you're an outside smoke Um, an
1: outside smoker yeah
0: okay all right so next up on that note of outside um would you rather be smoking on a patio or a balcony?
1: A screened in patio, no mosquitoes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Patio, my patio, ground floor, usually more ample, kind of more in and out feel balcony. balcony's nice though. If it's a nice view, mm-hmm. um, Ooh, I'm kind of torn there. Um, I think just patio. I, I feel like I feel more airy outside out a little bit more um, space patio. And you can get at like, you can just like go too. You don't have to go down the stairs or go back inside. Like your easy access ground floor patio.
0: Final answer. (laughs) Nice. Okay. So yes, I'm playing to the crowd with this next question, but I actually have an opinion on this matter and we'll discuss mine. But your background in makeup and fragrances, mascara or
1: lipstick? Mascara, uh, but that's personal because... I don't. If I had long, beautiful eyelashes, like you know, that I could just do that, and just like like men usually have long, nice eyelashes. Mine it's my are.
0: best. It's my best feature. Thank you for mentioning mm-hmm. that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks it's that's the beard. Everyone thinks it it's the beard. It's really my eyelashes. I want to point that out. So
1: yeah, they um, you know, like you know, little butterflies. Um, but yeah, I can I can go without lipstick. I have naturally kind of bigger lips, so I think maybe that's just me. But if I'm if I'm being honest, yeah, mascara makes, makes my face in beauty though, just so you know, they're in strategy. You know, if you're talking about segmentation, um, lipstick is what you, what you recruit your consumer with. It's a quick, easy buy, um, mascara. Oh, yeah. And mascara. So that's recruit. And then mascara is actually retained because you it takes a longer time to, once somebody gets their favorite mascara, they're loyal to it. Oh, okay. So you, so you use. Much like Monte
0: Cristo yeah. and Rubio Hulledo. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. So that's interesting that you picked those two. Um, so recruit and retain.
0: Well, I, ha- I have an opinion on this matter and my pick is also mascara. Um, I'm, I'm, When, if you can accentuate a feature like eyes, if you can make eyes pop that that's why I'm very much, uh, very much, a uh, very much a mascara guy. Um, not necessarily on myself. Like I said, I have amazing eyelashes. I don't need it, but, um, <laughs> but right. yeah, well, uh, well-placed mascara, uh, definitely, uh, definitely enhances beauty. I think if and I'm not a makeup person lens. myself, you know, I no. prefer the au natural look,
1: yeah. um, but I mean, if, if you've got it, you want it. I mean, yeah, you don't need to, you
0: know, makeup. all right so hard top or
1: convertible i've never had a convertible no i guess a hard top i'm kind of traditional that way Um, have you ever
0: written in one ever written in convertible
1: well a convertible with it up is very noisy and rattly with it down i feel like it would yeah i mean it's it's a novelty um down here, it rains a lot. I mean, yeah, down here, I guess you could have, maybe on vacation. We used to rent one when we used to go on vacation to Florida. It would be a, oh, interesting. a, a Mustang or a Sebring convertible. I remember yeah. the fam cruising down uh, to Orlando. And I was in the back seat. And my hair was all crazy. It was amazing. <laughs> Chrysler <laughs>
0: Sebring was the first convertible I ever took a ride in. It was the first convertible I ever rode in. So that's funny. That's funny that you mentioned that. Cool. Um, okay. So we can, you could can be talking about, again, this is open-ended interpretation. You could talk about from your kid's experience or your own personal experiences as a child. But trick-or-treating or fall carnival, we're kind of in that season as we get into September. So trick-or-treating or a fall carnival.
1: Like a fall carnival where you're bobbing for apples. Yeah, of and course. Yeah. Oh, trick or treating! Got to get the candy. I mean, that was like a that was like my job when I was growing up. <laughs> it, you know, when you're just like old too, a little. You're still old, young enough to go, but you're kind of too old, like seventh grade. You know. Sure. Get the, the pillowcase, but yeah. You hit the, up pi- oh the, the pillowcase.
0: pillowcase, man! You had the deep pocket. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The whole, the whole, you go to the rich neighborhood where they have the whole candy bar. You
0: know what you're doing. Yeah, there's, there's this whole, so it's, I loved, I loved, uh, you could always spot the kids, despite even their size, notwithstanding, but you could always spot the kids that were in that 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 realm of too old but not too old they always had the pillowcases man those were the veterans they knew what they were doing they had the big pockets they would go after and get get the, they know the
1: right time where everybody's about to close up shop and then if you still had candy they're just like here just take it they don't want it in their house so. yeah
0: exactly yeah nice you got you got it nailed what's your what's your favorite uh what's your favorite candy since we're on the topic
1: oh Reese's peanut butter cups
0: is it a candy bar would you classify it as a candy bar No. Thank you. We had this argument earlier this week.
1: (laughs) No, it's not a bar. Nice. You said candy, but that was that.
0: I did say Uh, candy. Yeah. So
1: I mean, I but I did. I was thinking chocolate there. I was I was thinking trick or treating. That was like gold to me. So a lot. Not everybody loves those. So I also could do without Snickers, but Twix, my jam. So that was the trade. I everybody's Reese's peanut butter cups. Now they have a new white chocolate. Pretty bomb. Good stuff.
0: So I'm going to tell you something you're going to find tragic. I'm actually allergic to chocolate.
1: My son hates chocolate. He can't even. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's not allergic, but he just.
0: Doesn't like it. it. That's crazy.
1: Oh, but that's, that is terrible. I'm not a huge. I only like chocolate and peanut butter or chocolate and caramel. Like I just said, but usually. Like at the movie theater, I'm more of a. Like a gummy bear kind of gummy.
0: Yeah, that's my jam. Yeah, gummies are, yeah, gummy bears are totally my jam. Absolutely.
1: Like the sour, the rope, the belts. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, those are, those are my weakness when it comes to candy. Uh, How do you feel about candy corn? Not my thing. No, it's gross.
1: (laughs) It's uh, it's
0: so disgusting.
1: I can't get by it. It's really terrible, actually.
0: Yeah, we're gonna start a whole new viral wave of debate with with that candy corn, disgusting or not, and people who absolutely. They I mean, also
1: have those the pumpkin. They're like a whole pumpkin that tastes like a candy, uh, like a candy corn. Like
0: what? oh god, it's so gross. It? I, I can't do it. I can't corn. do it. You mentioned this drink earlier, but I wanted to pair with another one. So espresso or cappuccino.
1: Ooh, cappuccino. I like a I like a cappuccino. If I had it, I was presented with those two options at dinner, I would go with the cappuccino. However, espresso is more of a, a function type of thing, like, thousand percent. Know, take little, yeah, to take your little shot, you know, and just keep it moving.
0: Yeah, go about it's your different day. Different
1: experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had a triple espresso to start my day today. So that was, yeah, much needed, much yes. needed. As parents, uh, you need yeah, it. I was gonna say. I was gonna say <laughs> the espresso. It's the it's the trademark of every 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 young parent. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right. Um, there's the last one. To, actually, no, second last one. So here's another cigar one: Churchill or Corona?
1: Churchill. You no like the longer, cigar. Um, yeah. I mean, because I mean, I do like a Corona, but I tend to smoke for longer because I just in my na- in the nature of business or wh- what I'm doing where I'm always smoking is I needed to be a longer cigar for that. Um I see the coronas more as like a, a of a novelty in my opinion for me. Um yes. I appreciate it and I appreciate the difference in how they smoke. Like I was mentioning the, before about the demi with the cappuccino is the bomb. Um, but it's more that's more curated for me. I would right. definitely give you the Churchill.
0: Okay. So here's the last question. Antique trinkets or used books?
1: Used books. hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm a book nerd. I still never, I never, I still buy hardcovers. covers. I don't oh, bravo. The, I don't, yes. Yeah. I don't do the Kindles. I don't do any of those things. I mean, I, then it's like, actually I wrote an, uh, a thesis on, the way people, so it was about, you know, dog earing and just different ways that people enjoy books. Yeah. you know, People sometimes write notes on the side. You know, when I, when I, I had a teacher professor, when I first started learning, she's like, you, if you are reading this book, you have to have a dictionary next to you and you have to stop and you have to figure out every word because otherwise it could be, might as well, just you're missing the whole meaning. So that really gave me an appreciation for words and just, the uh having something tangible like that mm-hmm. you know you can write in it you can dog ear it you can you know put a bookmark in it i don't know any any
0: any favorite authors that you like to read that you go back to quite a bit
1: um the classics um you know i shakespeare like you said to early early um english literature um
0: he's terrific he's with sensational all of
1: those i loved all of those people
0: have to ask me they're like what are you why 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 Shakespeare and I'm like well first of all why not but I'm like you have to understand and appreciate his his versatility yes you know he you know I I, I I'm a fan of poetry but that you know he had his whole sonnet you know era and I, mm-hmm. that's probably my least favorite thing of him to be honest if I'm not if I'm telling the truth here but uh, I th- I still think they're incredibly well written, but that's kind of my least but favorite. But it's like, so the go- smart.
1: yeah, yeah, it's he- such a, such a, to even you know, it's such a creative outlet, but then to even overcomplicate it more, to then be you know, in to write in, in-
0: verse. verse, yeah, like yeah, you know, to
1: write in that style is impressive. But
0: he could write tragedies. He could write comedy. Much ado about nothing is probably okay, yeah. one of my favorite um, plays. I had the opportunity. I was in. Uh, I went on a trip earlier this summer to Scotland, and we actually stayed a couple of days in London. And I got to go to the Globe, mm-hmm. and I saw a production of *A Midsummer Night's Dream*. It's probably the play I've seen the most because I think it's just incredibly well popular for the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just happened to see *A Midsummer Night's Dream* there, and um, it was probably um, some people that I was with disagreed on this topic. They they thought the performance of the the pucks performance it was done by a woman so in fact Mm -hmm. all the prominent roles were played by women even some of the man roles so they did this kind of reverse right because shakespearean history
1: yeah yeah it was was the
0: opposite men would play women so women played an incredible role in this this production they were all over the place and there was actually very few men and the puck was played by a woman and it was it was it was for me i thought it was the best performance of puck that i've ever seen Because she played it as this very dry, incredibly sarcastic, um, less mobile, like she Mm -hmm. wasn't all over the place with it, Mm -hmm. and it was very understated and nuanced and it was just in Oh God, it was Uh such a brilliant performance. Some the, like i said some of the people would have liked said like oh it was it they they liked it but they, they thought that that was the weaker part i was like i was i was i was entranced what by an her experience to yeah. go to the
1: globe. i actually was, oddly, went to scotland too for wedding a wedding uh last year um and i did that was my first time to europe my was london and scotland and oh cool just, yeah mm-hmm. i went to uh gear vong in scotland okay um for a wedding apparently there's where I stayed there's an island where there's puffins right 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 yeah and that's where the I guess the granite comes from too that they use for curling it was like this crazy thing
0: yeah we uh we didn't have an opportunity to see puffins we were going to but it just time got away from us unfortunately but um but yeah it's 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 Scotland's beautiful god it's gorgeous
1: gorgeous um
0: if you do have the chance to go back to the globe, um, I'm going to give you a $7 worth, seven pounds worth of advice. Opt for the seat cushion. Okay. They still have the, they still have the old seats and it's a very narrow bench. And for my people who are listening later on podcasts, I'm sorry, I'm doing you a disservice, but the, the, the bench is about that wide. And, okay. um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm larger than you. Let's just say what it is, but they're still very uncomfortable. No, so I seven, seven pounds worth of advice. Mm-hmm. rent the seat cushion. It's well worth it. Trust me.
1: Yeah, noted. Um, and, uh,
0: mm-hmm. But we, we, sat, we sat on the upper tier, not that we weren't the highest up, but we were about the midsection. And so, but it was really cool because you're almost on top of the stage and it's not quite theater in the round. Um, I opted for that instead of the pit, um, mm-hmm. but it was really cool because you're almost on top of the stage, you're leaning over and you had to, to be somewhat comfortable in these not comfortable seats. Um, but it was...
1: How long was the production? it was uh it was two and a half hours okay yeah so it was yeah for your butt to go numb (laughs) yes and there there was a
0: thing there was a the grace there was a gracious wonderful intermission that definitely gave me a reprieve for those great it was terrific so well cool well that was our this or that segment um and uh so this we are back to our our Last question of the evening, and this is the time of night where I always thank my guest for their time. Jennifer, I, you, we mentioned this earlier. You know, you're obviously a family person. It's Sunday night. You have work tomorrow. Thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, away from your family uh, to to have a great conversation. So that we can learn a little bit about your journey and the incredible work that you're doing for All USA. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you
0: for so um, our last segment of the night is sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, and it's, of course, our curveball segment, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball segment, fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception, Steve Saka has been knocking them out of the park, seven, now eight, count them up, eight consecutive years in the consensus top three, yes, congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So I wanted to get your take on this and you, and I might be completely stepping in muddy waters and that's something I may not understand. So I could be getting an educational experience with this question, but Vega Fina is a brand under the Altatus USA brand that I've always been curious about because it tends, it seems to me that it does incredibly well abroad but it doesn't have the popularity here at home in the United States. And from a marketing perspective, I thought it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on why that may or may not be the case.
1: Yeah. Um price. Um so um for sure the segment where it needs to the bigafino original, so the Vegafina classic, the white VegaFina, which is the number 1 sold cigar in Europe, um it's it, like you, it baffles the decision makers in our company as to why it can't be as successful as it is there. Um, we boiled it down to a few things and I'll talk about the future of the brand because I think um, where it's going is great, but definitely that Vegafina, well, the the flavor profile um, and also the price point where it needs to be in, in, in the United States um, is so competitive it just gets eaten up by, by other brands that have a lot more brand awareness. Um, in pockets and in regions, certain regions that have a, a more European influence like New York and stuff, it does do well. Um, just overall, we can't say that it is a very widely known brand. Now, when we launched the Vegafina in 1998, which is one of my favorite cigars, actually, it's the blend is a five region blend, um, it is t- in Europe, uh, medium, medium, medium strength cigar. So for us, a medium is now more so mild, mild plus, if you will. However, there the complexity and stuff that goes into that cigar. Anybody who tries that nineteen the Vega nineteen ninety eight is like, oh wow, this is a great cigar. I think that it's just now it's our job to kind of give it its own identity. Um, under this line, um, we are re- we are rebranding um, the Begafina logo. The yeah, Begafina. I saw
0: it behind you, yeah.
1: yeah so it looks like that. Um, so all of them are gonna look like that VF. Um, that's 1998, but it's gonna be VF Classic. So the white actually will have a name called Classic now. Um, and then, you know, we're doing these limited editions um, which is something that we've never we hadn't done before with the with um with our international, our sister company, um, with the Chinese New Year. Um, we do small quantities, but you know, it's something that gives a little bit of awareness to the brand, gets people gets in people's hands, you know, gets people a little bit more comfortable with the brand. I think it's just about um just trial, to be honest. Um, so we we do, you know, we did get actually get a pretty good rating um in with the 1998. So the cigar is not the problem. I think it's just the awareness. So, um, you know, we have a lot of fish to fry um, and, you know, sometimes that was pushed to the side, but as part of my strategy since day one um, and with our, you know, our parent companies, um, it's been something that, you know, I've been trying really hard to to, to work on. getting the awareness out there more but yeah it's just the market share is just really small so it's it's harder to break through when there's all these new and exciting things coming out from you know competitors and even ourselves you know it's right it's well, um yeah well,
0: well when you have a list of storied brands you know h upman Monte Cristo, romeo and Julieta and and more trinidad you know it's mm-hmm. something we didn't even mention tonight you know, that's, you know, like you said, it kind of gets eaten up, but I've, I've, I've long been a fan of the brands. Uh, I've wanted to enjoy it more. And I was always, I was really curious about it. So I wanted to ask you tonight. And I thought it would fit pretty perfectly. in this yeah, No,
1: I'm glad that you did. Cause it, it's actually one of my, my main focuses since day one was Vega Fina doesn't work in the United States figure out why and let's try to let's try to figure out how we can turn that around because the cigar is great. It's coming from the same makers as the Monte Cristo, same factory. I saw the people making it when I was there. Um, so another um opportunity that we are we we partnered with our international team was to launch the Patriot. So um you know Vegathina does those regional releases um for countries they did one for um, for Germany they've done one for Brazil Um, and this year, um, they agreed to do one for us. So we just released, um, just last week around Labor Day, we started shipping, um, the, the Vegafina USA regional, um, and we named the Vitola the Patriot. So it's in stores now.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that will conclude our evening. And uh, I'm so grateful for your time tonight, Jennifer. As I mentioned before, uh, it's been a fantastic, fantastic evening of great conversation. Uh, I've learned so much from you and um, so excited about some of the projects you're working on, have worked on, and um, so excited about the future. And we've had an amazing audience tonight. Thank you so much for staying up late with us, as always. Uh, it's just been wonderful to uh, to 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 share your story with such a lively audience tonight. So I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much, and Thanks for this opportunity. I, I hope to do this again sometime. It was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. So for everyone out there, we really do appreciate all your likes, shares and comments. Keep them coming. You can always check out our YouTube page, LOSFMR. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you're listening to us later on podcasts, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts, whether that be on Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you download, subscribe and review. Uh, Do me a favor, if you are a subscriber, hit the word unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe. That kind of really helps my numbers. So it allows me to get great guests like Jennifer whenever I want. And uh, you can always check us out live every Sunday night here on the LOS FUMAR page on Facebook. We broadcast live, Facebook live every Sunday night. We have great guests uh, like Jennifer tonight. And uh, we have a slate of great guests upcoming. So you definitely want to stay tuned for all of that and more. As always, I'm your host, Barry Duplicity, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. This was our 263rd take. Count them up. She's Jennifer True of Altatus USA. I'm Barry DePlessy. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.